world of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. Got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab, and he said, "By the way, we've discovered a base." The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society, and we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Skywatchers listening tonight on this third rock from the sun. Whether you're on planet Earth or intergalactically, welcome. Hell, even if you're from another dimension, welcome to Skywatchers Radio. We're broadcasting live once again on this beautiful November 29th, 2016 from New Logic Studios down in Miami, Florida. I'm Angel Espina, one-third of the crew. With me, as always, is the first lady of Sky Watchers Radio, the one, the only, Crystal Storm, a.k.a. DCS, a.k.a. whoop-whoop, a.k.a. What's up, everybody? A lot of things. <laughs> a lot of AKs in there. A lot, a lot of, of AKs. AKs. It's good. It's good. I like it. It's it. Yeah. Like it. it as long as you have an AK-47. It's good. It's good. I need to have, like, aliases, so when they come and they try to pick me up, I can just roll out. You know what I'm saying? That's what Exactly. Just be careful when you Google Crystal Storm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, this is good for me. This is good because they'll look for her and not for me. <laughs> That's so true. I never thought of it like that. Genius. You, you know you can commit so many robberies I and crimes. And that rug rag you hear in the background there making some kind of weird sound that almost sounds legible, but not really. It's the man they call today's Leche, my hetero radio life mate. The one, the only Alan Weiler. What's up, Alan? Where are you at tonight? I am finally at home after being on the road so damn long, and I'm going to be here for a whole three days. Yeah, baby. so excited. Woohoo! Three days at the house. Yep. Yay! I'm happy for you. See, I'm cheering. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Thank you, Sherry. You're welcome. uh, Sherry that's right. the, uh, The significant other must be very upset right now. Three days. All <laughs> right, you can't be here for three days. Stay on the road, man. <laughs> on the road, making some bread. Why did she become like a southern black woman all of a sudden? Making some bread. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It was good, so I was just gonna go. You were rolling with it, right? Yeah. Whatever. Is, it, is she a southern black woman? Because that would be cool. I don't. Seth, Alan. Want to no, uh, yes, yeah, Seth is secretly I, I, a southern I, I, black woman. <laughs> I want to answer that one? so far out of this. I just don't want to be involved in this conversation. No, no, no. I'm not getting like racist. Southern black women? Is that what What's you're saying? Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, I'm saying I love southern black women. The problem is they don't love me. They don't love you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's a great way to start the show. We have a lot of shenanigans to uh, go over tonight, and uh, that's one of them right there. Thank you for getting that out of the way. Shenanigans! Oh, goodness. 
Goodness, goodness. Uh, guys, we have a great guest lined up tonight. Now, I don't know if we're going to have her actually get her on the show, because I've been trying to communicate with her all day, and it's kind of hard. She's, like, on the other side of the world, basically. Yeah, and, and like, uh, 3 a.m. in London. Didn't we go through this problem before yeah. we called her, and she was asleep? Correct. And now I'm having a hard time finding her number, and, and, and it boggles my mind. I've been trying to contact her in every other way that I know, and I can't get to her. So hopefully, uh, Joanne... Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully, Joanna Summerskill will be with us in the next uh, 20 minutes. We're running a little bit late, and we had a little bit of a technical issue to deal with, and as you can hear, the other guy over there sounds kind of crappy. That's part of the technical issues we're having. Uh, but we got it fixed, we got it taken care of, and hopefully we have our guest on tonight. If not, for whatever reason, she doesn't make it on the show tonight, we'll reschedule her like we always do here on the show, and we'll have open lines for the remainder of the show, which should be a lot of fun. I'd like fun. to hear from uh, some of you folks out there in the uh, chat room chatting it up. Uh, some of our friends like Dino, uh, Rich Giordano, uh, Jesse Randolph. Uh, Jay, you know, yeah. Where's my Jesse? Where's my uh, Jesse? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about your Jesse. Let me tell you about Jesse Randolph. Oh, this cannot be good. Oh, it's, oh no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> It's good. It's good. Oh, this is so good. It's good for you. It's so good. This is very, very good. The Chicago Cubs are very good to me. Tell me, tell me, tell me the good. Yesterday, we of course uh, Monday nights we do uh, Youthful Radio. Jesse, myself, are uh, uh, been, have been doing that for a couple of weeks now. A few weeks now, not a couple, but a few weeks. Uh, and we had a, a guest on who's actually no stranger to the network. Uh, she's uh, she used to do a show here on PSN Radio. Solaris Blue Raven was the guest on there, and uh, while her story is a very interesting and um, out there story, let's just put it that way. It's it's a it's very uh, it's very hard to deal with the the storyline that you know she she's uh, putting out there. And when I say storyline, I'm talking about like this is not a book. Well, it's a book, but it's not like a novel or a fictional story. This is like something that she claims really happened to her uh, with the band Rush. And you have to hear the entire episode really to get to grasp the entire um, you know thing that happened yesterday. Uh, mm -hmm. But we had probably the most explosive episode oh oh ever dear. on PSN Radio. Now, when I say ever, you guys know about Ray Hernandez and what happened with right? Me. That was that was pretty explosive. Okay, that was pretty explosive. Let, let, let's kind of compare the two. Okay, let's compare oh, the two. Oh shit! Okay, Ray Hernandez was like the first Death Star in Star Wars. Okay. Okay. What happened yesterday was like the Starkiller base in wow. The Force Awakens. <laughs> so we went from like we weren't killing one planet to the entire no. planet. We're no, no, no. We weren't killing. We weren't killing one planet. We're killing solar systems all at once. Solar systems. Solar. Systems. Okay. Wow, that bad, huh? Yeah, it was pretty bad. That's what I was kind of getting from the because I. Because I, I saw what you messages on Facebook, and then I went and I was scrolling through the chat before the show, and I was looking at everybody's comments. And I was just like, oh, one of those, huh? You know what, though? I feel very – I without even hearing the episode, I feel very confident that you and Seth handled it to the best of – or not you and Seth. You and Jesse handled <laughs> it to the best of your abilities. I do. I feel confident oh, of that. Without I even hearing about it, I feel confident. Oh, I really, you, really want to listen to that episode. You, you have to. But I'm going to have, have to. to. I'm, I mean, because it's not, I mean, and I don't want guests to feel like, or just, you know, we want to hear people's stories. Correct. But we're But like I saw in the chat, we're not the show where we're just never going to ask you a question. Like, right. we come in wanting to believe you, but like, if you literally claim that an alien, like your arm got cut off and an alien groomed your arm back on, we want to, like, 
can you show us pictures? Like, do, like yeah, can you just? I mean, I mean, there has know, to be a photo of the right? like, arm. You know? like, yeah, <laughs> and I don't think it's wrong to ask those types of well, questions he, because he, 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 discernment he, 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 is so important in this field. Like, there has to be yes. a level of discernment. Like, we are all believers, but at the same time, so many people just come in with like lies and bullshit stories, and it hurts the field when we don't do our due diligence. So we Correct. have to ask questions. <laughs> like, that's just. And here's the thing, this, what ended up happening, it happened after she hung up, and that's when it got really interesting, because the in, the entirety of the interview, we were very polite, we were nice, uh, we mm-hmm. let her, you know, get her story out there, we tried to ask questions, which never got answered properly, um, she gave a lot of runaround answers, uh, which, you know, you know, if you listen to the story, it, it almost sounds like she's nervous at times, trying to, you know, speed through, like, what she already has memorized, sort of, like, actually having a conversation with us. Uh, mm-hmm. So it kind of came off as that, but she you know, she's a very nice lady. I'm not trying to, like, dog her or completely, like, trash her or anything. She's a nice lady. I have really no, no beef with her. Uh, but the funny thing is, when we're talking after she hung up, me and Jesse were, were chatting, and Jesse actually knows members of the band Rush. She actually spent a little time with uh, the band. He's friends with the person who's a friend with the band. And uh, that's actually one of his favorite bands growing up, believe it or not. So when mm-hmm. she's telling this story... You know, it's hard for him to deal with what he's listening to because it resonates so deeply with him because he's such a big fan. Right. And for him, it's like, I can't. You know, Did I can't she have buy a this. bad experience with this band? I'm confused. Oh, I'll, 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 get, to, I'll, I'll get to the I'll get to the meat of the uh, of the thing here in a second because uh, we have a little bit of time here. But uh, <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Jesse, like Jesse, did a, a, I think a fantastic job. If you go back and listen to that show yesterday, he did a fantastic job as a host, letting her get her point across, and asked questions that weren't really that rough. I mean, he really wasn't like trying to trash her, or he wasn't mean to her at, at any point. But what happened was when we hang, when we hung up, you know, the conversation with her when she left the show, we kept talking for a few minutes. In fact, we hung up the uh, the interview twenty minutes early before the show ended. And it's just because it was getting too heavy for Jesse to continue on because, again, of his connection with Rush. Right. And I completely understand that because if somebody came on the air saying the things that she was saying about a band or, or like, say, Tupac, for example, which Jesse used as an example yesterday, if somebody came on here and said these outlandish things about Tupac, it's going to, like, rub me the wrong way to the point where I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't want to you know, continue this conversation because there's no evidence to any of what she's saying. It really, really isn't. Now, this is the gist of the story. And I'm just going to give you a brief overview because it's it's a long story and you really should just hear the entire episode. But she claims that she wrote a book. She sent it to a member of the of the group Rush. Um, the group Rush used her after they contacted her uh, and used. Um, well, hold on. You have to define what you mean by used her. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let, me get there. let me get there. Let me get there. Let me get there. Before you get your head in your you know crotch, let me get there. When I say they used her, I'm talking about like they manipulated her thoughts, her memories. They, they started messing with her mind. Uh, they were using like MK oh. Ultra type of devices to try to like manipulate her thoughts and talking to her. And uh, there's uh, something called, um, I guess, uh, synthetic telepathy they were using on her. And I mean, they, she claims all these outlandish things, which when you put in context, you're talking about. Wait a second, this is a rock band called Rush. How do they have access to all these government programs, first of all? Uh, why would they do this to a civilian? That makes no sense. And we were, we were just discussing the entirety of the of the episode. In fact, I cut up the clip that pissed her off because she called back into the show, and this is where it exploded. She calls back into the show, 
explodes on me and Jesse, and just, you know, really completely blow everything out of the water, and completely out of proportion for what was going on, because, yeah, while we were discussing what was happening, we were doing it as in a what-if scenario, like, what if this is what was really going on, or, you know, what if this was happening, or maybe this was going on with this, or it, it was very... It was sort of what if conversation. It wasn't of for certain to try. You know, we weren't trying to bash her or trying to like to make her look bad or intimidate her or anything like that. In fact, Jesse even you know asked her if if she would be willing to be on air with one of the members of Rush mm-hmm. to kind of clear the air. And mm-hmm. apparently, there's uh, she claims that she went to court and everything and tried to get this uh, as a civil uh, case, uh, and it was thrown out. Okay, what's the a, case number? What's the case number? Again, well, stuff that we I asked can't for. Imagine, I cannot imagine a civil court taking something like that seriously because she's not, I mean, it's not like she's coming forward with like a sexual assault right. claim. She's coming forward with a mind control claim. Can you imagine it? Can you, like, come on. Oh, my goodness. Like, can you imagine a judge looking at, like, a clerk looking at this? He probably, I mean, <laughs> he probably, like, looked at the form <laughs> and threw it in the trash. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all if there's no number. Not at all. I, now, I'm curious, like, I don't know anything about this rock band. And what Rush. immediately comes to my mind, actually, was that maybe this stuff did happen to her, but it wasn't this band. That for some reason she's just thinking that it was. And I don't know if they play like some weird music or if they've ever been associated with anything in our field. Like, I don't know anything about them. Well, Jesse knows more about the band than I do. I- I'm going to be honest. I'm not a huge Rush fan. I've heard a couple of their songs, but I'm not a big fan of theirs. So I don't know. Like, I don't even know the names of the. Uh, you know, the uh, performers in the band or anything. I don't know the band members by name or anything. He does. He's a huge fan. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why when he made that connection of, well, what if it was Tupac, you know, you understand. Because, okay, now I understand. You know, that's kind of like the level of fandom that he has for Rush, uh, which right. is fine. And, you know, I understand where his point of view is. But, again, if you listen to the entirety of the callback, she exploded for one main reason, and, and it didn't dawn on me at the moment we were talking yesterday, but it. But earlier today when I was just thinking about what happened, and I've gotten emails about this, I've gotten like dozens, believe it or not, dozens of emails from people saying what a great show it was, that it was phenomenal the way that Jesse went at her. Uh, it's funny stuff, but, uh, you know, again, we weren't trying to go at her at all, that, which is funny. When you listen to the actual audio clip, it's very clear that we're just honestly just playing a what-if type of scenario. You know, like again, like we just said, what if it wasn't Rush? What if it was something else that was causing this trauma? Now, see, her? now this is interesting. This is very, very interesting. But here's the trigger show. word. Here's a trigger word. Here's a trigger word. What was the trigger word? When I mentioned, this is what I think got her call in, and she even drops that on the uh, on the callback. Uh, I said that you know, let's put it in context. Maybe you know, she was a kind of like a fan or a groupie type uh, early on, and she sent them her book because she's a big fan of the band. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, she maybe was a groupie. You never know. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, some people are groupies. She's a band groupie. Okay, that's, I said, maybe what if this is what happened? And she sent off the thing, and they, they didn't like her, and then, like, the book, they didn't take her serious, they blew her off. Now she's kind of pissed at them, so she's doing all this, you know, against them to try to, like, you know, harm their, and tarnish their image because, you know, she's just a pissed-off groupie. What if that's a scenario? That's a possibility. Also, and then we were going on on different possibilities of what was going on. That's what triggered her, though, when I mentioned the word groupie. Well, you have okay. So I can kind of see why, though, because here's, but here's the reason why I mentioned that it, she actually did a, a Project Camelot uh, video mm-hmm. talking about her yeah. case, and mm-hmm. that is brought up 
that she uh, what if you were a groupie they asked her that in the video so it's not the first time she's had she's heard somebody ask her or mention right. the possibility of the what if again it's right. a what if scenario i'm not saying that's exactly right. what it was now she's on if the show she saying already, it's exactly what it is right well if she was already agitated and i could see like that being she just might have gotten pissed off about it and I, I i i can i can kind of understand why that would have set her off um but I mean, I, I didn't listen to the whole. But like I said, if she was already fucking like she, you know, she was already like ridiculous, and then she'd hung up, and then she called back and like heard you guys or whatever. So I, I can kind of see why that would have triggered her. That's not what's interesting though. What's interesting is that just for shits and giggles, I just did a Google search for Rush rock band Mind Control, and uh-huh. a whole lot of sh- and some shit comes up, <laughs> and some stuff actually comes up. Now I'm not to that good. I'm not it saying might, that she's it might true. be stuff. No, but it might be stuff I mean, that she put out there. I mean, this literally might be something that she just read on the internet. But like, there's this whole website dedicated to Rush as a rock mysticism group. Um, and I don't know the sources of any of these sites, so again, I'm just throwing this out there. Um, Rush album covers and MK Ultra links. Um, the rock uh, rock band Rush involved in the MK Ultra project. So again, this might just be something because that's kind of her field too. I don't, I only know a little bit about her, but I know she's kind of like us, where she, you know, she researched all the stuff that out there. So maybe she did. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was she sent them their book, her book. She got mad because they didn't do anything, and she took her research and she made some shit up. Or, I, I mean, maybe she's telling the truth. I don't know. Again, I know it's nothing possible. about this man. It's, but I right. mean, I, should, I just thought that was interesting that I just that I googled it and some stuff actually did pop up. So maybe well, here, I don't know, you, maybe she listened to their music and was doing some peyote and had the experience. I don't Yeah, but I guarantee you Crystal, I guarantee you if you look into those links, you're gonna find her immediately. Because most of the stuff out there is her talking about this stuff. That's the only connection to uh, this one. I don't know. If, I don't know if she wrote. She did a whole. She. I mean, like, I'll put a link in the chat here about this one. This is like a whole like. Hang on. <laughs> put some links up. Here, here's a description. Here's a, a, a bio on uh, Solaris. Solaris Blue Raven is a true multi-dimensional channel and universal translator, MT healer and clairvoyant. Uh, let's see, being. She is a remote and high priestess elder. Ancient healing systems are incorporated into a system. Wait, wait, she's a remote high priestess. Does yes, that mean she? What the hell is so she's a remote high priestess. Uh, that's a new one for me. That's a new title I've never heard before. Anybody yeah, else want to chime in on that? that? That's new for me also. But this is also that you see. Um, she works with the uh, grid system and multi holographic field openings and, sp- and spiritual pathways, activating one's pillar of light. Okay, okay. I, I, are you excuse me. If, here comes my famous, famous quote. Uh oh, uh oh. Oh boy, here we go. Betty Squatch, Betty Squatch, Betty Squatch. <laughs> Well, okay, now we know that a lot of rock groups have been accused of being like Illuminati and all these other groups, guys. So we know that it's not uncommon in the music industry to hear these claims. You are right, however, the majority of these websites accuse the MK Ultra links are all her. The one right. website I linked that is just talking about them and rock mysticism, which is like a new word for me and is amazing, um, is something else entirely. Well, James West in the chat room is saying that she was the first one to accuse Rush in 2006 of this. That's just so weird. It's just like, almost like, it's just, I mean, and that's like, accuse them of, you know, not reading your book or this, that, and the other. Like, why, you know, I'm almost inclined to like, you know, I don't know, like almost believe her just because 
that's like what <laughs> like that's the thing you're going to accuse somebody of of mind controlling you and doing all these like that's like what you know it's he almost like if you really wanted to get place. back at them do something like uh, more believable i don't you know not you know just the that's a head scratcher t- like what they touched her in the no no place <laughs> well <laughs> You should be anally probed, other guy. That's, I'm, I'm that's sorry. what I'm going to say to you. You should be anally probed without lube. Without uh, Get in line. Get in line. Get in line. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, no seriously. I mean, I'm sorry. This, this woman sounds like, you know, there's, she's missing a couple of, um, a couple of screws loose. Um, the aliens left a probe in her. She's, Got something stuck up her ass? I don't know. Well, actually, no. Actually, you're not that far off. Where they, they left a probe in her, she claims that she actually has a, a implant uh, in her brain, and uh, she said that she took it to Roger Lear. Interesting thing, she name drops, uh, you know, some folks within ufology that supposedly have helped her out in the past, but these are folks that are either dead or can't be collaborated with. So, like Roger Lear passed away, obviously, and uh, supposedly he looked at her um, her implant, uh, saw that it was there. And you know that she put that in her, in her book, uh, which is fine. I haven't read the book to be honest, and I haven't seen her DVD. Which you know I should. I, you know I'd love to check it out and, and see you know the the spectrum of what she puts in there. But I, I don't think I'm gonna find much. I don't think I don't think I'm gonna find any uh, smoking gun evidence proving that Rush did anything to this to this lady. Um, I don't think well, that's gonna happen. Something like that. I mean, how how are you gonna improve my control? Like you know what right. I you know it's one of those. I mean, it just I find. It, I just find it interesting that I mean, there's also a book out called Russian Philosophy, um, Heart and Mind United. It was written by, edited by Jim Bertie and Durrell um, Bowman, and apparently, just kind of like three paragraphs down, it says Russia's clear-sighted scrutiny of political t- tyranny, religious orthodoxy, mind control, the nature of free will and individuality, the human potential for fulfillment, and our relationship to machines makes the group a prophetic voice that speaks directly and honestly to millions of receptive minds in every country. That's a whole book. It wasn't right. written by her. It was written by somebody else. So that's Interesting. It's just interesting that there's that out there about them, and then her claims. Like I, that, again, I, I didn't. I gotta go back and listen to the interview because I completely believe right, you guys which, that she was like out of control with it. Let's um, just say she read that book, and it's again, what if? Let's say she read maybe. that book. She's a, she's a Rush it, fan, and she starts putting this story together because she wants to like you know uh, join a little uh, movement. Of some I sort. don't know. I don't Angel know. I mean, that's, I mean, that's taking it really far. It's <laughs> just taking it so far. Hey, but fans have taken it far before. Look, John Lennon was killed by a fan. Yeah, that's true. Okay, fans take it far all the time. This is not, it wouldn't be unprecedented. That's true. That's true. You make a very good point there. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Yeah. That happens. Yeah, I almost think um, what, what Tyranny is saying in the chat room that, I mean, mind controllers said they can make you see and hear whatever and whoever they want. I almost think that something else happened to her and she thinks they did it, which wouldn't be surprising. I mean, if it's their possible. music is how it claims to be and can inspire like, right. alter, you know, states or whatever, it's like deep music. It's like Pink Floyd. It's like deep music like that. Then maybe I could see that maybe she's just thinking that it was them and it was somebody else. At, at this point, anything is possible. 
Anything is possible. Yeah. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Hopefully, we're, we come back with uh, Joanne Summerscale, our guest There tonight. was a message if... in a Skywatcher Radio uh, email. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. I'll get to that in a second here, and uh, hopefully we, we'll get her on the line here in a few seconds. Uh, stick around. we got more shows, so uh, Skywatchers Radio is not going anywhere. We'll be back in a couple minutes with, uh, hopefully, our guest. If not, open lines. That means you. Call in. We'll be right back. <laughs> consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of and more. SupermanHomePage.com All right, everybody, welcome back to uh, Skywatchers Radio live again. Once uh, more on PSN-Radio.com. If you guys are listening, uh, guess what? No open lines right now. Well, we'll take your calls. But yeah. we have our guest of the evening. We're able to get Joanne on the line. Joanna, thank you so much for being here with us on Skywatchers Radio once again. It's a pleasure having you on. And as always, 
you are a true professional. Tell everybody what time it is right now in your neck of the woods. Oh, it's 4.39 a.m. Oh, my goodness. Ouch. I know. <laughs> I've been snoozing throughout. You are the best. <laughs> Joanna is the best. We keep doing this to her. We should have, like, an earlier show just next time we call Joanna. We're just going to have to start <laughs> earlier. You know, she deserves it. You are wonderful. Now, what, 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 what have you been up to since last time we spoke? It's been a few months now. Yes, it has. Well, um, I was hoping that um, Bill Brooks could be on with uh, us tonight, but it looks like um, maybe he's just not well enough. I can't raise him at the moment. And uh, we finally got our book published in uh, earlier part of this year, which is um, it's called 44, based on an ex-soldier's true story of lifelong encounters involving alien abduction, men in black, a serial killer and persecution by the Freemasons. Just a little title. Oh boy. <laughs> That's a lot. Sounds like the covers, you, you cover all the bases there. Yeah. <laughs> well, all, all those things have featured very heavily. We haven't actually said, and mind control, um, you know, by the military during a mass abduction. We haven't put that bit on the cover, but it is in the book. So, um, Bill, um, it's really interesting. It's called 44 as, as, as the kickoff uh, word or title because he was 44 years old before he had any idea that he had been a lifelong abductee, contactee. Now, just to give you a little bit of a picture of someone like Bill, he's from a place known as the Black Country in the UK. It's the West Midlands, just to give you a geographical area. It's Stourbridge specifically, not far from Birmingham. People may have heard of that. So a little to the um, west of Nottingham, just again, just to give you a, a kind of sense of where we are in the UK. And um, he was a rootin' tootin', you know, a raw, hot-blooded guy who didn't believe in anything to do with ET, UFOs, and would have thought anybody like myself would have been completely nuts. In fact, he told me so, you know. <laughs> so but, in other words, he was, like, he was like me before I had my first sighting and second sighting. And I was like, wait a second, that's so nuts. Yeah. Well, you, you know, he, he, he even feels sometimes a bit embarrassed about, you know, the, the book. But I said, my God, he said, there's so much in it and people, people won't believe me. I said, look, they can believe it, believe it not. It's, it's, your, it's your story. We're telling your story. Yep. And he says, I find it difficult to believe myself. Just, just the night before last, he called me, said, John, I've had another, another thought of, about uh, an event that happened. Now, this particular event that happened um, was that in the army, he was new in the army in 1968, and he joined a nuclear regiment, and there were very few of them on the planet at the time. And so he'd signed all the secret, you, you know, um, what do they call them, the, the top secret classification stuff and all the rest of that. And right. He, it was what he didn't know at the time was also well he was told but it didn't register with him because nobody knew what it meant at the time he was also sharing the base with american personnel this is out in germany in senelaga with area 51 personnel so that was really crazy interesting and within a week and he says it's probably less than a week we were discussing it again we've said a week in the book but it could be even three or four days he was with a guy we called john who no one else ever saw in the regiment, only okay. Bill. Okay. We actually had made contact with a guy 
who uh, can't be on any of the late programs, but he would come on an early one and has actually been on one for me, um, called John Sutton, who was actually in the army at the same time as Bill. And there was a paranormal event that Bill experienced, and so did John at the same time. And they both thought each other were messing around doing that lads thing, but it was actually some kind of apparition or ET. They're not quite sure, but both of them saw it at the same time. And uh, John could corroborate part of Bill's story, which is really interesting, you know, because he can actually corroborate that he was in the army and there at the time. Because, you know, some people can say, well, how do we know he was even there? So right, we do right. we do know. Anyway, um, so he met this this other John that nobody else had seen. And pretty much when he arrived in the regiment, most people were away on what's called practice camp, which is they do every year a six-week live firing exercise, which is away from the base camp. So there were only a party of about 15, 16 guys left, of which he was one. New guy. So he was sent uh, with this John on a little exercise to do a bit of a watch. And it was a two hour on, two hour off thing. But no one came to relieve them. So they didn't want to let anybody know because they were just having a chat, having a cigarette and, you know, not doing too much. And they were quite enjoying it. Now, they were out in somewhere called the Senelaga Rangers, which anybody who knows that area will know where we're talking about. And all of a sudden, um, John and Bill noticed um, an orangey kind of mist rolling in toward them. And all of a sudden, John says, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a gas attack, you know, a, a kind of a test gas attack. So we need to get back, tell the NCO, get the gas, gas masks on and, um, you know, carry on with the exercise. Mm -hmm. So when they got to base, which wasn't that far, everybody was asleep. And the NCO said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. We've all been stood down, but nobody had bothered or remembered to tell these two guys. So they go and find themselves somewhere to sleep, which just happens to be the top of a Saracen vehicle, call it an armoured pig, with, with all the hessian and netting on top. So it made a comfy bed. Anyway, before they're just about to get their heads down, they're having a last cigarette, having a chat, and all of a sudden they start seeing a kind of an orangey-coloured light, and in it, the, Bill describes it as kind of like kind of little parachutes coming down, as if they're like flares on little parachutes. And all of a sudden he notices... The guys, the whole of the, the guys that he can see, and there's, okay, about 15, 16 of them, all moving, kind of as if they're all together, toward a light. And he thinks, what the heck's that? Because they all look like they're in a sort of trance. Then he can't actually tell that they're walking. It's a very weird thing. So he goes to get down from the vehicle to check out what's going on. And all of a sudden, his mate, John, who no one's ever seen before um is shouting no no don't go down don't go down and anyway bill's already hitting the ground there and um as he's just giving john a little bit more attention he turns around to see a guy dressed in black with a little blue flash on the right um shoulder or arm and he's pointing a gun at him and he's telling him to go into the light and he hears john shout once more don't go and in that hesitation, the guy cocks the gun and says, go toward the light now. And that's all he remembers of that evening until the next day on parade. So when he went John, to the light, what, what happened? Did he like no, has up, no idea up. of that memory, except that that was the last thing he remembered. And then the next thing he remembers is being on parade the next morning. Has no idea how that even happened. By the way, John, uh, Joanna, I'm getting your feedback every time we speak. I can hear myself. Oh. 
okay. I'll I'll move myself slightly. From we really get really get a headset. Okay, <laughs> if we need to get a headset, I'll I'll do that. I haven't got yep, one mic. Okay, so um, then he he uh, is being told by John. Did you did you see what happened? Did you, do you remember what happened last night? Well, by this time, Bill's mind has been completely wiped. He has no idea at all. And they're being made to sign another Official Secrets Act. That was the proper name of the document I couldn't think of earlier. And um, didn't know what it was. He was just a new soldier. He didn't know anything was unusual, by the way, at this time, because A, he had no memory of what had just transpired. And also, he was seeing big brass, you know, high-level military telling them that they were not to speak of the event to any, anyone or each other ever again. Now, Bill goes, well, that's all right, because I don't know what they were talking about. Right. I had no idea, no memory, not until he was 44. But he did know. Now, how did the memories that... come back to him? I mean, how did he start remembering this event? Okay, so so we'll just come back to that. Just to finish off this little bit, um, he's, he's notices that some of the guys are in what's called BDs, which is... Um, Battle dress. And uh, not all of them, but battle dress was phased out in the 1950s and we're in 68 here. And whilst they might have been using a little bit of the components or the odd jacket here and there, there was perhaps a little bit more of that dress than you would expect in 1968. So anyway, and the other thing that is of note here, there were three of these guys that were dressed in black from the previous night, which of course he wouldn't have remembered at this point, who had guns making sure that the guys signed this other document. So, now, do, these, do these men dressed in black, they look human or they look slightly off human? No, did he said they human. That? We've been uphill down Dale with this kind of description. Um, he said, as far as he can remember, they were blonde, like the American, um, uh, American accent with a blonde look to them and that military haircut. That's all he remembers of them. He doesn't. What year was this again? What year was again? I'm sorry. What year was this again? This event. Oh, sorry, 1968 in Senelaga, Germany. Okay. Yeah. And and so if we uh, there were uh, and there was also another abduction which took place with just John this time, again although they weren't in in the barracks they were just outside returning from um, a pub, uh, it was just John again and him. Now when we've talked to this other John who has corroborated Bill's story, um, he never saw this guy, and and. Bill um, went on other duties um, and also the MK Ultra event um, and realized that he never saw him again for the rest of the time he was in the army and just assumed that he was sent wherever. But, you know, in hindsight, it's a bit strange that there was no more communication between the guys. And if we roll up to the age of two, because to, uh, in 1968, he's uh, 18 years old. So when we go to, 90, uh, to uh, age 44, which is 1994 now, Bill, um, after the army, he, uh, various jobs as, as a driver, but he was also a musician. He's a very talented, natural musician, and he worked as a professional musician and singer for, for most of his working life. And on this event where he had what's called a what we call the download, where all this information and memory came back, he was coming back from a gig 
about 2 a.m. in the morning, actually passing over a, a set of uh, mountains called the Berwyn Mountains in Wales. And the Berwyn Mountains are quite famous or infamous for also having uh, being the place of an alleged UFO crash in 1974. Not that he knew anything about that at the time, but it's just an interesting coincidence, isn't it? Right, right. So, so he was followed part of the way home by a UFO, not that he remembered at the time. I have, actually have done all the journeys with Bill. I've got, gone and done a field trip with him, gone and done the journey of on the Berwyn Mountain on that road because he said that um, he lost some time there and he actually lost 26 miles. That's quite quite a bit. At the end of the 26 miles, he was almost home. And when he got home, and I've actually been to where he used to live and the road where he's about where he described this next event. He said, as he parked up the car, sorted out his guitar and uh, put that away properly, he said there was a massive structure at the end of his road, which was probably no more than 80, 50 metres from his front door. He described it as being about 300 foot tall, conical shaped, so a little bit like an ice cream cone, and it looked like it had electrical activity going on all around it, these little lights flashing that were indicative of some kind of activity. And he, he went up to it. He, he stood for about 20 minutes in front of it, so close that he could have touched it. But because he is also uh, was in the army dealing with electrics, he didn't do that. <laughs> fear of getting an electrocution um but he just he ended up he was so locked out during all of this time up until this download which is about to happen in a few minutes from now um that he just thought well isn't that clever someone must be must be a fair somewhere i think there was about five miles away and isn't that clever it's some kind of laser show wow that's clever <laughs> and just and just went in and instantly forgot about that it's just amazing how he has been so mind controlled, not only by ET, but also by the army. And uh, we haven't talked about the army mind control bit yet, but we can get to that if you want to. You know, we, um, we, had, a, uh, we had a show yesterday here on the network. Uh, well, this is not working for me. I'm still hearing way too much feedback. Uh, guys, can you hear that? I heard it and then it went away. Yeah. Oh. It's gone down. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, definitely not on my <laughs> you at, no, it's not. It's not you, other guy. Relax. Joanna, are you there? Finally. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, we had a show yesterday with uh, uh, a guest on uh, one on the network here, and they dealt with mind control and uh, mind manipulation, MK Ultra kind of the devices. Have you heard of uh, the terminology synthetic? Um, what's the term telepathy. exactly? The exact. Thank you, other guy. Synthetic telepathy. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, oh well, um, it's not my area of expertise, but oh, okay. um, as I understand it, it's um, synthetic. It's uh, un, it is um, created telepathy. Now, of course, all telepathy is created, but right. um, <laughs> potentially um, electronic and also directed, as in. Um, uh, I was going to say by perhaps forces, and I'm, I'm talking about human forces, not necessarily at all the ET stuff. The ET stuff that um, Bill has experienced, has he, he's not really experienced telepathy, interestingly enough. He's um, had impressions and physical sightings and physical encounters and meetings, um, but not um, the telepathy have they spoken to him directly? 
Yeah, he had an encounter, an actual encounter, when he was 10 years old in 1960, when he was a little kid. Um, and, and this guy, what's very interesting about Bill, whilst he's wide awake to what's happening majorly in the world now, prior to 44, he wasn't. It said it was like he had been switched off to a major part of life and experience and awareness of that and of consciousness and that he was being piggybacked piggybacked by another force form entity that wanted to experience a certain aspect of, of uh, the, the human experience. But this particular event um, is separate to that. He actually um, was by himself in a field. Uh, this is in Starbridge, actually not far from where Robert Plant used to live. <laughs> Very interesting stuff. Robert Plant seems to get in the story a little bit. And he, he happened to see two massive spheres um, above him, one initially, and it was spinning, and then another joined it, and then he began spinning and spinning around one another, and then zipped off. And of course, this little guy, he leaps up to see what the heck that was and where they were. He said they looked like two enormous balloons. He said at least, you know, he reckons eight, eight foot in diameter. And as he stood up, he realized that something had gone on with the crop. And what he was actually standing in was perhaps one of the first modern crop circles and the first time I've ever known of anybody being in a crop circle as it was made. And um, then he saw a ship in the distance in the next field over and a party of four people walking towards him. These are the Nordics. We've called them the Nordics in the book because that's what they seem to, to look like according to the common parlance at the moment right, to describe right. these tall blonde people and it looked like a family sort of a couple of kids although they were taller than him and and they came over and he said they seemed a little bit um anxious might be the word at first and they were looking around the area just casting a glance around and then they said to him something very weird they <laughs> i said did they really say that he said he asked them this little boy uh, he uh, they asked him rather if he had seen any reptiles or he said they might have said reptilians he said honestly I don't remember and this is a little guy without any education so he didn't have a frame of reference for for, for reptiles or reptilians or what they particularly meant right, but he right, did right, know right. he did know the area and he did know that he hadn't seen anything unusual there besides these guys so he said no so they seemed to relax with that so they be, they actually told him that they had um, I forget the exact phrase was it, but something like they had escaped um, their masters who would have made them slaves. Now, whether they were referring to the reptilians, I don't know, or something else, but they spoke in that way. And then they also said to him, the earth was in trouble. Well, this is interesting because this is 1960. So whether it's on the back of all the bombs being, um, you know, tested and all the rest of that, because it would have been quite close to all of that time. Um, or not, I don't know. But they said the earth was in trouble and would he help if he could? And he said, yes, what do you want me to do? They said, well, you'll know at the time, but it will mean that for, you know, quite a part of your life, you will be hated. Now, he didn't have really any real understanding of, you know, what that could have meant or anything, but that did transpire. That Now, what this help was, what what Bill's life has been, unless he's, you know, uh, contracted with them to allow himself to be piggybacked during his life so that other other entities can experience the human experience in different, um, different ways and, and through different emotions, I don't know. But 
it was it was really interesting because then they asked him if he'd like to go on the ship, like to go for a ride. And of course, he said yes. He said, and he said, made me laugh. He said, well, I'd just seen uh, Flash Gordon at the cinema and I believed every word of it. <laughs> so it wasn't unusual for this little guy with all this imagination to be invited on board a ship. <laughs> he thought it was just Makes normal. Sense. Makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. He's a 10-year-old. And um, the parents, if that's what they were, left him with the kids initially. And the kids began playing with these small, kind of like little beach balls, spheres. And clearly they were making them move um, either with some other force field or their mind. And uh, Bill sat down and there was one at his feet and he picked it up. And they said, you can do it too. You can make it. And so he tried and and he was able to do it to make this little sphere move on his mental command. So now he says, well, I believe that they actually because I can't do it now. Guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. We've got, we got a break here coming up. Um, we'll be back in a couple minutes with uh, more conversation with Joanna Summerscale. Uh, also, uh, lines are going to be open. If you guys want to ask her anything, please call in 786-245-8127. We'll be right back on Skywatchers Radio. down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go talk stream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you and your iphone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day seven days a week mobile talk radio from talk stream live now available in the itunes app store Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007. 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens. 
and hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source of information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOstore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to the UFOstore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and the UFOstore.com has it. sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com All right, everybody, welcome back to PSN-Radio.com. This is Skywatchers Radio, and the second hour has begun with Joanna Summerscale and this fascinating book dealing with alien contact, abductions, all the creepy stuff that we like to talk about here on Skywatchers Radio. Now, continuing off where we left off here, uh, Joanna, uh, mind control. I love the fact that a lot of folks in ufology don't talk about this aspect of what could be a very serious uh, part of ufology and uh, the entire spectrum of ufology. Uh, mm. mind, this could be, the entire thing could be a mind control operative or operation by the government or by a government. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, I, I tell you what, with the way that um, Bill's story goes, it makes me wonder how they knew from so young who it was who, who you know, what mocked him out. <clears throat> you know, he doesn't have any bloodline or blood group or anything like that that we are aware of. Right. So, you know, what, and also, you know, when he went into the army, this guy couldn't read or write. He can now, but he couldn't then. And he failed the pass test. Mm. And so the recruiter just said, uh, I'll do it for you. You'll soon pick it up. So they wanted him in, I believe. But what was it that marked him out? I, I just don't know exactly what that story is. But within the week or so of being in the army, not only had he gone through um, two abductions, he then had signed up to do a flu jab, like a flu vaccine test, Mm. Now, he didn't know that this was not going to be in Germany. And in fact, the next thing, when he signed up for it, um, the next thing he was aware of, that he was suddenly no longer in Germany, but he was in somewhere that was clearly the UK. And we assume it's portened down from some of um, uh, signage that he saw. And he and he saw some other guys there. Um, now, Porton Down at this time in 68 is known and it is now documented that they did 
non-consensual mind control experiments and brainwashing on men. And Bill, in his youth, was never a drug taker. Oh, he's never a drug taker, uh, full stop. But it, they were clearly feeding him hallucinogenics. We assume it's LSD. And then they were doing things like <clears throat> putting him in front of a massive circulating moving spiral, a black spiral on a white wall with two guys yelling into each ear simultaneously, whatever it was. They were also trying to feed him books. Not at this moment. They actually did this on base. They actually came and took him away to um, American guys. Now, you wonder what the heck that was about. So he went through this mind control. Then he was given um, leave. Now, the outcome, the very the shocking outcome of that mind control that the army perpetrated on him was that he could no longer look at anybody in the eyes if there was any kind of uh, uh, of uh, contention, any kind of argument, because he they had programmed him, uh, the assassin in him, and he truly just wanted to kill the person that he was looking at. So he has spent a lot of his life, if there's been any argument, and he's not he's not wow. one to back down from things, um, looking at people's um, you know nose or cheek or, or forehead, and then being accused of deception because he won't look in their eyes because he's been so afraid of what might happen. Wow. And he has now at 66 years old that has, you know, quieted to the the majority in him. But he can still get triggered to feelings of, um, you know, real disquiet and upset. I don't mean like anybody would normally. I mean more than that. But um, but for the fact that he is who he is, i.e. a really strong-willed character, you know, we would have had an early assassin on our hands and maybe like these schoolyard shooters that you hear of so frequently now, mm-hmm. um, you know, who suddenly seem to wake up to the fact that they've just, you know, merged several people for, you know, no, no good reason. Um, now, you know, speaking of which, to, to, to cut you off real quick, let me ask you a personal question. Do you think uh, any of these shootings have anything to do with mind control, uh, MKUltra yeah, manipulation? Yeah, Yes, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you ask Bill, we ever get him back on, uh, he'll say the same too. Yeah, I do. It, it's too, you know, it's it's too coincidental. What's going on? Is is it the drugs they're feeding people? Is it, is it, you know, what is it with these youngsters too? You know, this is not normal behavior. We never used to hear of this kind of thing. But um, Bill's experience of the mind control, you know, it, it really... Um, it really made his life very difficult for years and years and years to come. So what they were hoping to achieve from that, apart from, you know, some programming to kill, to see whether they were measuring him to see what it would take for him to kill and pull the trigger or measuring his resistance to the kill, I don't know. But, you know, I can't imagine having that degree of impulse and um, being able to follow through and not because you decide that's not the thing to do, you override it. Um, so, and the other thing that they did, um, these were the Americans, and I said, well, what on earth was that story about? And this freaked him out because I, found, I did some research and, and, and found, found reference to what he was talking about. He said on three occasions, he'd be, they, they, the habit of the men was there to go off to um, the local 
nearest hostillery pub, um, you know, meet up with each other and have a drink of an evening. There wasn't a lot to do on this nuclear base. And this was common. It was common practice. So he was doing nothing any different. And so he'd tootle on generally by himself uh, and meet up with the guys. But on three occasions, there'd be a big black car waiting for him with a couple of guys looking like Chicago gangsters at the side. And they would say something to him. What that was, he doesn't remember. We've been through that one uphill and down Dale. He cannot remember what they said to him, but he would get in the car. Now, he said, I would probably be thinking that they were SIBs, Special Investigation Bureau people, you know, a bit like our, our, our military police or, you know, that kind of thing. He said, so maybe it wasn't that unusual, but I cannot tell you what uh, they said. But what was very weird Bearing in mind, he also found out in the army that he's dyslexic, very common among experiences as well, that um, that issue. Um, they took him to they took him to bookshops. And he said to me, John, I don't even know if they were in Germany. He said, because we went to th- three different ones. And, you know, how many American bookshops can there be in <laughs> can there be in Germany? In Germany and they yeah. kept <laughs> they kept foisting on him in 1968 they kept foisting on him these greenbacks. He said, have you heard of greenbacks? I said, well, the only greenback term I've heard is in relation to the dollar. I said, I haven't heard of it in terms of books, no. So as we were writing, I was also Googling the title of one of the books that he said had been thrust upon him, which he said was particularly unpleasant and involved incest. And it's called My Mother Taught Me. And, you know, I'll say no more about it. I haven't read it. I really couldn't buy it for Kindle for, Kindle for £149. Um, but I said, oh, my God, Bill, it's here. And you know what? That shock was so great. It really made him ill. And we couldn't work for weeks after that, after that realization, because it's not that he didn't think his experiences were real. He, he certainly did. But to find evidence of the things that he's talked about, it's very tough, very mm-hmm. hard. Right. And that, I mean, I took a, I haven't put that screenshot that I took of it, which I still have um, in the book because of uh, potential copyright issues with Amazon. But, um, and I don't, I haven't looked uh, recently to see if it's still there. But interestingly enough, I did a bit of research on the publisher and the publisher was a Scandi, uh, I think they were Norwegian and they relocated to New York in 1968. <laughs> I, you know, you think, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> and apparently the greenback was, uh, it was totally green, just a green cover with plain writing on. And it was a bit like in England, you have brown, you have top shelf material, which is often, which is sometimes in brown paper envelopes or packages. And that's pornographic material. And that's what the, green, the greenbacks were known as erotic material, which is a probably very uh-huh. pleasant term for them. But, um, I mean, even Bill said he'd, and he's not a reader. The guy's dyslexic. He can hardly read or write. So why would they be, <laughs> you know. Well, he, here, Joanna, oh. normally I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the fourth wall here and uh, the guy's going to get mad at me. But they really don't buy those magazines for the articles. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. You know That's what? That's a secret. Don't get mad at me, other guy. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> but I, I guarantee you, very little reading is involved yeah, when no, somebody's looking at one of those mags. I'm saying. But in, With the in, internet, who needs paper? Exactly. But in, the, in 1968, these greenbacks were little books 
and they looked like they were literature as opposed to uh, pages of um, you know pictures. But anyway, this poor poor soul could hardly read them, and reading wasn't his preferred method of entertainment because it was difficult for him, and he was dyslexic, so he'd pass them on to the guys, which, and they'd chuck them. It was a bit hardcore for them. I mean, you know, incest with your, I mean, for goodness sake. Anyway, so whatever that weird stuff was going on with the army and the ET stuff, I don't know. But at age 44, after he'd seen this massive structure in his, you know, <laughs> some years on at age 44 in his, uh, you know, at the end of the road, when he goes indoors, um, within a few moments of sitting down, relaxing and whatever, it's about probably 2.30, 3am now after the gig, he begins to see E.T., he begins to see the wall morphing as if it's got hieroglyphic kind of uh, images on it. He says, I don't know if they're exactly hieroglyphs, but they look like it. Whoa, what was that? And, and the poor thing has this massive download, like a tsunami of information delivered into his brain. Why they chose that time, why this was done to him at this point, I don't know. But, but he saw an entire lifetime of abductions right from when he was three years old. Now, the, um, there, were, there were one or two things that he had kind of remembrances of, but not exact memories of. Now, he had a severely disabled brother, physically disabled, not mentally disabled. And his, the, the two boys shared a room at one point when they were kids. And when he came back from the army, his brother would show him try and show him pictures of et aliens and this so this is in the uh, early 70s and try and tell him about the fact that he would have seen him being taken as a kid i mean this is astonishing and bill's download happened six months after his brother died oh, so wow. we could never go back to his brother for corroboration or for right, you know right. further detail i mean and that was shocking now, did he ever kind of, or has he ever found a connection? Because I just find it very interesting that he had this one experience with ETs where they told him that, you know, you're going, you know, Earth is in trouble and we're going to need your help. And then he kind of, it seems like, and it, give me, let me know if I get the timeline wrong, but then he goes, you know, he's in the army and, you know, he's getting, you know, experimented on and all this MK Ultra stuff is happening to him. Yeah. And then he has more abductions. So, I mean, it almost it almost sounds like that maybe he, you know, came into contact with, I don't know, quote unquote, friendly ETs. And then at some point that stopped. The guy, and then now he's just stuck in this, you know, being mind controlled and trained to kill and still getting abducted by maybe ETs that are working with the government. Or maybe he's just being yeah. abducted by the government and who's making him think that it's ETs. I mean, yeah. did he ever like some relation? Like, I mean, you know, I guess future his, you know, his experiences with ETs now, did they ever kind of clear things up or say what they wanted with him or, you know, a purpose nope. to anything that happened to him? Nope. And he's never met the Nordics. He met the Nordics once, actually, when he was about five. Um, we're pretty sure it, it was it was them. And apart from the five and the 10 year old and those, and those were contacts, not abductions. Mm hmm. Because um, when they, um, sorry, I didn't sort of finish saying that when, when they invited him on board the craft for a ride, he thought this was great, played with the kids, got, got the, the spheres moving with his mind, then thought they, you know, they were doing it because he can't do it now. And then he, he, the parents came to get him and, 
um, and uh, they took him off. You know, they went off for a, a ride, and then um, he he noticed a look of concern on the woman's face, and she said, "We've we've got to bring you back," or some words to that effect, and brought him back. I mean, he, you know, he could see the the earth receding at a rate of knots through this window, and but they came back and. There was there was nothing. There was only friendliness there. And, and the previous one, when he was five, he was at a little pond um, where kids often went to look at these little creatures, the newts. And he never would take the newts out. He would look at them and then put them back. But some of the kids would actually take the newts out and take them home uh, and whatever, you know, maybe keep them as little pets. I don't know. But he saw this same kind of party as far as he can remember from five years old. He was only five. And they actually said to him, to not to tell the kids not to take the newts and that he wasn't to take the newts either because they were dying out. And I thought wow. that was extraordinary. Yeah. And so he did, he actually did tell the, the other kids and he said, you know what, I don't remember much about them, but I do remember telling the kids something about the space people told me. So they must have told me something about space, but he has no memory of that further, you know, uh, either anymore. But um, it's as if that, it's really through his life like he's been piggybacked. And when he had this kind of tsunami of information come through and nearly split his head in two, and, of course, being the kind of personality that Bill is, you know, black's black and white's white and there's no gray, um, that's really tough. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it behoves, you know, it's all commendation to him that he's come through life to this point relatively intact psychologically um you know and well psychologically um through what he's been through because there's some stuff that we can't get into tonight that is just unreal i mean absolutely blows your socks off which is very unusual in terms of um experiencer experiences and mm. it, it's um yeah, I I have heard other experiences talking about how they also felt that they were guinea pigs being used to experience the human condition through, mm. you know, through their physicality, through their emotional body, through their mental body, etc. Um, but I haven't heard it to quite the degree that Bill's been through stuff. And he says these days he probably hasn't had an, any kind of abduction or interaction for about four or five years now. But uh, and he's become quite disabled through um, through his abductions and and also through a couple of army injuries uh, as well. Um, and the fact is that he actually it, yeah. uh, he actually what died. Yeah, he actually died a couple of years ago. He actually did die. <laughs> oh dear. And um, I'm laughing because he he was resuscitated and came back fighting. And he's a he's a small person. He, the paramedic said they'd never seen anything like it. He came out, you know, wanting to take on the world because apparently that's how it, when right, you're resuscitated, right. that's how it can take you. You know, you just feel you're being attacked and, you know, suddenly the body, the adrenaline's rushing and you, yeah, anyway. But, um, yeah, he, he died for a couple of minutes and I was doing my own radio show then. I just started it and I introduced him as my recently deceased guest. <laughs> Joanna, can you can you move your microphone either farther away from the speaker or the speaker because I'm I'm hearing myself in the background. Oh, again. okay, yes, I'm, I'm no worries, no worries there. Thank you. I've moved it. That's back. there you go. Move it back. Yeah, so so he's had the most amazing life. He's 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 clocked up for me a few firsts. He's the first person I've ever known to actually be in a crop circle as it was being made. He's yeah. also the first person I know to have been 
Did he talk uh, about that experience at all? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's, no. I mean, that's, and, and, and we've, you know, tentatively heard stories of orbs maybe making crop circles. So it's very interesting that he saw two and then realized that he was standing in one. Does he talk about that experience, like, in, in a detail at all, like maybe what the shape was or kind of how he felt being inside of one while it was being made? Oh, well, you know, I, he wasn't even aware. What he saw was two big spheres. Now, in those days, there was um, a, a kind of game that the kids used to do, and they used to get balloons, and they'd write their name and address on it, and they would let them go in the direction of France with the hope that somebody would find it before the balloon popped and uh, send one back or write <laughs> to them. And uh, so he said, at first, he thought they were just massive balloons. He said they were like massive white balloons. He said, oh, actually, he said, if you think of the exercise ball these days, they were, you know, bigger or as big as that, you know, but I mean, eight, but eight, they're not eight foot in diameter. He's, he reckoned they were about eight foot in diameter. That's huge. That's really big. And he was lying down in the crop. He'd made himself a little bed. Um, and so he was just lying up, he lying down, looking up at the clouds, looking at the formations, just, you know, he was a nature boy. That's what he did in between looking after his little sister and not going to school and tidying up the house because his mum was at hospital with the little boy with his uh, disabled brother. So he was left in charge. So in his spare time, he'd go to the fields and the woods very close to where, as I said, Robert Plant used to live. So we just wonder if Robert Plant ever would have seen anything that went on there because there was so much activity because it was also in the same location that the reptilians um, are. That, <laughs> and I've been to these locations and you can't, you know, it's really hard to wrap your head around the fact that in those days, in 1968, he said it was a crop and crops were grown here generally. Um, he said, and when I went, it was a field with, um, there's a canal, there's always a canal, but um, people were walking their dogs. He said there was nobody here in those days, but then it was a whole different configuration of the landscape. It was, you know, as I said, crop. And apparently after that time, after the crop circle came, it was immediately taken down within the day, apparently. We were talking about this recently as well. And the farmer never grew anything there again. It was left to go to to grass. Oh wow! wow. So they, they ever try to inject for radiation or any uh, leakage of any uh, you know gases around that area? We have no knowledge of anything that might have been tested. But uh, what okay. what was it? What was interesting is that um, uh, again, this is in in the book. This part of the story. He he went the during. After the ride and going back home to or to get his little sister, he went down to the local shop where the little outside wall, which was by the shop, was um, was demolished. <clears throat> and um, the people in the shop were saying, yes, there was this huge, massive, loud bang. And they attributed it to some kind of storm, some kind of lightning strike that hit the wall. And then as we've explored the timing of that, he said that was probably the time that we took off in the ship. So some kind of sonic boom maybe <laughs> hit the wall. I don't know. Wow, We're just surmising. Yeah. We don't know. We're surmising. But that was, you know, that's interesting. And also there was one tree, he said, which he remembered very well, that was um, split down the middle and looked like all the sap had dried out of it. And he went to find it in times past, but never did because it had been taken down. It was probably, a, you know, a danger or something. But, right. um, you know, that was very unusual because he knew the environment like the back of his hand. 
Right. Now, now, when he was getting the downloads that, you know, unfortunately, that must have sucked to just randomly get all this information thrust into his head, did he maybe find any connection to, because I'm thinking that, you know, he had these UFO experiences when he was a child, you know, starting yeah. at age five. Does he think that maybe that's the reason he was singled out and why, you know, the military wanted him because he had been previously in contact with, you know, with UFOs, with ETs? Honestly, I think he would say he wouldn't know because, you know, there's lots of experiences who've had experiences as, as kids and, and never had any military import or any any military, um, you know, aware or, you know, military right. involvement in any way. And I, you know, there's plenty you have, but plenty you haven't as well. So, you know, he didn't think like this. He, he you know, this information was so contrary to any mind's set any thinking any philosophy that he had that it sent him into a near nervous breakdown a near complete mental decline uh for two or three years i mean he hit the bottle big style i mean where do you go with this information who do you talk to right i mean right. It, it, it is does he think that maybe it's the government that did this to him that suddenly just decided i mean because he'd been involved in the nk ultra experiment so he's that he's got that information in his head do they think does he think that maybe you know they're the ones that all of a sudden i don't know pressed a button somewhere made harp go to work and now all of a sudden he's getting these downloads to maybe see how he would react to it i don't think he i don't think he's had that um process of thinking i don't think he 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 believes that um okay. What I think, the way he's, he speaks of it is that essentially he was not a whole person. He was not the whole Bill Brooks. During the time, during all those 44 years, he was only partially available to himself, but he didn't know that. He was only, you know, like half human in a way, half there, half conscious, um, and when this torrent of information came down, it actually fractured his psyche completely because he had to then reintegrate. This is a massive thing. It would have been the most amazing study, absolutely amazing study. But um, And he, he, he said, had they not given, given me my memory back, he said, I don't think I would have survived. I mean, this is a guy who thought it was normal I mean, he, this is a guy who's doing gigs, professional music singing gigs all over the place. He couldn't remember where he'd been the day before. He'd have to look in a diary. He couldn't remember his own wedding day. He thought that kind of appalling memory was normal. Wow. And it, of course, we know it. We know it, it isn't. And of course, you don't talk about those things because you think it's normal. But you know, he he began to realise it wasn't. And then when the um, when he was given well, he download, just didn't know any better. I mean, he just didn't know any better. He didn't know any better, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like he said, he, he grew up in a terribly impoverished um, life. Right, very right. Really impoverished, no education. He said, but we were all the same. We were all extremely poor. Um, because when he was born in 1950, I mean, Britain was still on ration, and he was living yeah. in, in a in a in a state area where most of the houses had been bombed. So they were playing with the rubble and the bricks, and the few houses that were were stuffed full with families, you know, overcrowding. And he said, "But we were all like that, and it was normal." You or know, as we like to life. call it now, the, or as we like to call it now, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of what it looks like nowadays. It's terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, his is really an extraordinary story. It's a real testament to the human spirit that, that A, he's with us and that he is, you know, psychologically uh, <laughs> intact. <laughs> I mean, it really, really is. I mean, um, whatever the reason the government's yours and mine chose to send him to um, have this brainwashing treatment, you know, I don't know, because then you've also got the ET stuff that's happening. Now, it's very, I have not heard, I don't know about could you it be the, the e, Could it be the ET stuff led the government to, like, start this brainwashing? Because maybe he had maybe. memories or a contact that were so in-depth with knowledge that he was not meant to know or the government didn't want him to know that they started this process? I mean, that's a possibility. Of course, uh, you know, of course it is. We've discussed things uphill and, yeah. and down Dale. Um, you know, we we really just haven't, we haven't got the answers to that, and, and he hasn't got the answers. Just, you know, the, there are still so many pockets of his life that are still fractured in memory terms. And, um, you know, he was talking about this uh, John, who he had two, uh, the two army abductions experience, uh, experiences with. And he said, you know what? He said, you know what? I realize now that nobody at all in the regiment saw him. How can that be? That is absolutely impossible. So did I go back in time? He said, I must have gone back in time. I don't know. Uh, it's it's all heavy. such mind bending stuff. Yeah, because listen guys guess guess what guess what he did about five or eight years ago i forget exactly the time because he was going a little bit crazy with this stuff in his head and nobody to really speak to to help him with it he wanted to corroborate it for himself so he found a number for now this john that he had the abduction experiences with he got a brother who was in the army and in the army at the same time knew in the army the same time as bill and um, he only met him the once, but he did meet him. And anyway, the surname was very unusual. So he managed to find, you know, kind of 40 years on a telephone number for where for where one of them worked. And he thought he was getting hold of John. It wasn't John. It was his brother. And his brother said, well, you know, when uh, you, you'll never get to speak to him because, you know, Bill said, I, I really need to speak to him. Some really urgent. About this, you know, some issues. He said, "Well, you, you, that's not going to happen because he's become a hermit, a recluse, essentially. Won't open the door to anybody. Keeps the curtains closed because he keeps talking about being abducted and aliens. He's totally gone off his head." And Bill goes, "That's exactly what I want to talk to him about." And he said, "Well, <laughs> you won't, and you can't." And he said, "And anyway, when were you in the army?" And Bill goes 1968, and he goes, well, that's impossible, because we were in, in the 1950s. Uh-huh. What? What? Wow. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Get out of here. What? And, I, you know, <laughs> I, and Bill has since lost that number, although it was a, um, a work number, so so he guy wouldn't be there, because these guys must be much older than him. But if he went back in time, then what? You know, where was everybody else? Where, how does that work? Where was the Western? You know, yeah, so were those? Amazing. Yeah, were those guys then on on parade the next day after that major abduction? Were they actually from the nineteen fifties? Is that why he was seeing them in battle dress? Was that it? So the big brass were they there in the nineteen fifties or were they there in sixty eight? 
What's that story? I mean, this is his story is absolutely bonkers. I mean, there's there's an there's incident. so many pieces to it. Oh That's my crazy. my god! And and you know what? You you've heard nothing yet. <laughs> I tell you what, guys, the books on Amazon and and Kindle and and you really, I'd be interested if you know to have your opinion of what you you think of this story because. There's a hot that Bill's experienced a lot of what I would call time slips. Mm. Now, whether it is a time slip, I don't know, but there was one event, and we probably don't have time to go into the event. It's known as the Abingdon incident. But anyway, after the event, he he was off in his van, he was doing a little driving job, and he noticed a van exactly like his on the other side of the road being driven by somebody who looked exactly like him. And this was a two-day job. So he picked up the, the uh, wares on the Monday, dropped them off on, on the Monday, and then to, to do a second drop on the Tuesday and then go back to the office on the Tuesday or the depot. So he goes back on what he thinks is the Tuesday, and they said, well, you couldn't have delivered the things because you couldn't have done it in the time. And he said, what are you talking about? I left yesterday. They said, no, you didn't. Yesterday's Sunday. We don't work Sunday. Mm. What the heck was that? <laughs> that would be Yeah, that, that would must have been. Yep. <laughs> and not only that, get this. Because, I mean, the guy's done the delivery. Bill's done his delivery, right? So there's no problem with the work. But the guy rings up one of the depots where he's supposed to have delivered. And he goes, he comes back and says to him, you've got your brother working for you. He says, I haven't. He's disabled. And uh, he says, well, there's somebody... Finishing the delivery, answering your description. <laughs> so, guys, you tell me. You tell me. Uh, I mean, I got, his... I got nothing on that one. Re rewind <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm speechless on this one. I mean, I know I'm telling you to, that, that little piece out of context, but that just gives you an idea of how absolutely stir-crazy... No, this is like a, a Twilight Zone type of uh, scenario. Oh, uh, uh, on steroids. Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the book well, is I... out, right? Jordan, the book is out. It's available now on uh, on Amazon, everywhere. Can people buy it? Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon and Kindle. Um, yeah. And what's the name of it again, Joanna? It's called 44, based on an ex-soldier's true story of lifelong encounters... Where um, lifelong encounters with uh, alien abduction. Alien abduction. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. also now you also mentioned serial killers when you were first talking. How does oh. that tie into all this? Oh my yeah. God! Listen, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you got to tell us. You got to have an interesting connection here. I definitely could, but I'm just wondering. You know, I'm seeing the time now. I've been on nearly a. Uh, near an hour and I just wondered if uh, there's a, if there's a cutoff point in two minutes <laughs> yeah they're actually they're, they're, there's a caller trying to get in let me see if I can get him on the line guys hold on one second hold on. and uh no, oh, yeah, the caller uh, dropped off oh never mind sorry caller wait have a wait caller. for it we don't have a caller nah, no nah, we lost nah. the caller yeah lost the caller and uh, they're calling unknown so I have a feeling I know who it is is trying to get in but He's uh, having a little trouble. But. I, I will just say uh, uh, about the serial killer business, um, I mean, that is a phenomenal, a phenomenal thing. Mm. I mean, Bill will say to you and anyone that 
as far as he's aware, ETs never really hurt him mm-hmm. or really scared him. Although he's had, he's not well at the moment. He's he's had a lot of real terrible skin issues, rashes, and abscesses, which all began after the hospital visit um, and from an implant site, an old implant site. Um, the yeah, infection oh, oh, seemed to spin out. From there. The caller's trying to get back in. Uh, let me see if I can get him on the line here. Hold on, caller, you're on the air. All right, how's it going? Uh, it's going well, but hold on. Let me see if I can make this work because you're calling it unknown, and when you do that, it puts my other call on hold. So everybody else is on hold at the moment. So I'd have to bring him in here to this call to be able to facilitate this. So just stay on the line, and let's make this happen. Hold on. Let's see if I could uh, resume call with everybody. Wouldn't so? I mean, it doesn't surprise me, unfortunately, that he's having you know so many health issues now. Um, yeah. uh, folks, I mean, I wanna, lot- I, I'm gonna I wanna hang up on you real quick and call you right back on the other call with the caller. Skype is doing that thing where he doesn't allow the oh, call to come really? in because Got you. yeah. Okay. So, so just stay uh, stay by Skype. I'm gonna call you right back and I will be with the caller. Okay, just stay on there. All right, you there, caller? Yeah, you there? All right, good. Yes. All right, cool. Just uh, hold on for me, bro. Give me one second. Let me <laughs> get everybody. This is the live radio experience, folks. This is what happens. When you're on live radio on the internet, so it's not really radio anyway, but it's live podcasting, and you know sometimes Skype works, sometimes well, this happens. But we're almost there. We're gonna get him on right now. Here we go. Send him to the call. And by the way, who's this on the line? Who's uh, who are you calling? Because it's unknown, so I don't know who number or anything. That's crazy. I don't know why it does that, but uh, uh, you were right in guessing who it was. It's James. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I figured. I figured it was you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got Alan, uh, Crystal, and, of course, Joanna back on the line here. And we got James West. Uh, that's who the unknown caller is. I don't know why what, what Skype does that. Every time somebody calls in with an unknown phone number, as you guys can see there, it doesn't allow us to take them into that initial call. It's, it's the weirdest thing. But uh, you're on the air with Joanna Summerscale, who's telling us a, a fascinating story here. What, do you have uh, any questions for her? Uh, she mentioned something about uh, reptiles or reptilians. Uh, can she reframe that again real quick? Joanna? Uh, yes, yes, uh, I can. Bill Bill had um, two or three experiences with them, and, and uh, one very physical, two very physical, actually. Um, so, uh, I mean, if you if you want me, if you've got time to, to tell you about those, I'm really happy to, to do that or tell you about one of the major ones. I can do <laughs> Uh, yeah, go for um, it. We've got 10 minutes before we, we say goodnight. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well, very quickly, I'll just try and, and make it very, very fast. It, it's uh, better explained, as I said, in the, in the book. But he was in the same location as where he'd met the Nordics, which is his normal little playground area. But this time, he was just at the canal edge. And I've been to, to these places and seen exactly where this happened. And the canal is only a barge wide, you know. it's that they're, they're really not very big here in England at this point. And... He's got a fishing rod that, and, and he's alone again. There's nobody about it. It's in that those days, nobody was there. So he's still about 10 years old. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, across the other side of the river, of the um, canal, he sees several reptilians as if they've sort of popped into existence out of maybe some portal. And he said, if I'd have seen them 
if, if they'd have been walking down the field from the other side, he said, I, I would have seen them. He said, but I suddenly became aware of them, which is very weird because I, I was, you know, didn't, you know, see them before. And then one of them begins to get into the water and it comes within about two feet of him. And he said they were big, muscly. They looked like crocodiles on legs. They had a short, stubbly tail, which didn't reach the ground very large. He said probably six to seven foot tall. He said he knows that because he knows the height of the bridge, which is about eight foot tall. And he said he it came within about two foot of him and stared at him. And that was the last thing he remembered of that incident. And he knew that he suddenly came to on the side and realized that his Fishing rod was 20 yards down down the, the bank and, you know, wondered what the heck that was doing there. And there was a fish caught on it that had got a lot of damage to its mouth. And Bill, if he caught anything, would instantly put it back. So he knew this fish had been on the hook some time because of the amount of damage done. He'd no idea what time. And now all the time that these things were happening to Bill and he had no full memory of them, he had a sense of something strange going on. I mean, loads of other things were happening to him. He was, he was, being, he was seeing shadow people. He was having things taken from him. I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers. But because of this reptilian business, he really thought he wanted to, to, you know, to try and speck out something, to try and scope out something, to see what something was going on. So he got himself to a high vantage point where he could look down on this field. And he actually saw the reptilians walking up the field and then going on to all fours as they went into the woods. So he decided that he was going to find a place to create a little hideout and he was going to put himself in the woods in the deep of night and observe, which is exactly what he did until he saw them coming along. And he'd made a hideout. He was very good at his little hideouts and they were full of um, branches and, tree, uh, and big twigs and stuff like that. So when they yanked him through the side of this little hideout, his body was scratched from head to toe. And when the next day his mum said, what happened to you? He said, oh, they've got a gooseberry bush at the end of the garden. He said, oh, must have fallen into the gooseberry bush. He said, I don't even know why I lied. He said, because I had no memory of what happened. He said, that's just what I assumed must have happened. So these full memories only came back when he was 44. But this lingering sense of unease began to really be, become pervasive in his mind. And he knew things were happening, but he couldn't put a name to it, couldn't understand it, and he was only 10, 9, 10, 11 at this time. And to just give you an idea of how he was tagged, I mean, this to me kind of says it all. When he was nine, he was down the stores getting some medication for his brother and that kind of thing and some shopping for his mum. And this... Um, these two men in black approached him and they were in the black hats and they, the long black coats. They looked human. He says there was nothing that he, that didn't, that he didn't uh, take as human. They were Rosicrucians, they said. And they asked him if he'd like to join them and, and to, you know, like a club or something. And so 
he says, well, I must have said yes. He didn't really remember. He was only nine, long time ago. He said, but they came to see my parents and told them. And he said, I was a bit of a loner as a child. They thought it would be a good thing if I had a little club to go to or something like that. So they took him to the um, Royal Antediluvian Order of the Buffalo, which was run by the Mormons at the time. This club, which in fact he actually played at as an adult, did a couple That's of That's a mouthful for a name for a club, too. What's it, what's it called again? It's the Royal Antediluvian Order of the Buffalo. It's it's My it's um, it's one of those not that secret society. It was actually not that old. It was formed in the eighteen hundreds. I thought it was one of those ancient, ancient ones because it says Sounds it's ancient, ancient yeah. but it's actually yeah. <laughs> not that ancient. But anyway, um, interestingly, it was run by the Mormons, so they had sway over. And when the Rosicrucian guys took him there, they said. We can't take you into the Rosicrucians yet, but we'll, you know, we'll come back for you. So they left him there. And so he'd, he had a great time learning to play baseball, thought that was absolutely great fun. But when the weather was not great, they'd have the kids inside giving them tasks to do using their mental faculties, such as oh, like telekinesis and telepathy. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, What? They're doing this with an uneducated little boy from, the, or, you know, uneducated children from the area. You know, what is it about him that, was, that singled him out? I still don't know. He only lasted there three months because as a nine-year-old, he was, <laughs> he'd started smoking already and they didn't like it. And being the little strong-willed person that he is, um, he said, well, I'm doing it and there's nothing you can do about it and left. <laughs> <laughs> what was he getting his smokes at nine years old, though? <laughs> Oh my goodness! But he's you know, a little devil. He was getting the smokes at nine years old. Are you kidding? I know, <laughs> I know, honestly. But you know, life was tough in those days for those little kids, and that's what all the kids were doing. He was the true. only yeah. one. You know, he'd just be a little rebel, and uh, you know. But wow! And you think how 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 did those guys pick out this little dude? How did they do that? What was it? Did he have a sign on his head or something? <laughs> You know, it is really a, a conundrum. <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny story. Yes. Uh, listen, Joanna, we're, we're, we're all out of time, but I want to get this book, uh, so I'm going to go on Amazon and, and get a copy. Can I send it to you later on and get it signed from you, or is there a way we can get it autographed from your website or something like that instead of going on to Amazon? Oh, that's an interesting thing. I don't have to think about how to do that. Yeah, well, if, you've got a, if you know how I can best do that, yeah, of course I will. Of course, oh, I'm actually doing, if I can just say, I'm actually doing a book signing here in the UK in Hastings on the 16th of December, uh, only uh, oh, about cool. six, 6 to late 30. Uh, it's a little a little soiree, a little get-together, a little social at a cafe called Grand Rue de Pera in Queen Street in Hastings. And if you want to come and have a cup of coffee, piece of cake, come and say hello, get a book, please do. I'm going to get in my TARDIS later on, and I'm going to meet you there, and we're going to Yay! have some coffee and tea. <laughs> <laughs> Give our best to Bill, Joanna, absolutely. Please. I, I yes. will, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get him on again. I know he hasn't been too well just late, but it's very unusual that he doesn't, um, he, he forgets. He's never forgotten a radio show before, so I'm a little bit worried, so I'm... Hopefully, okay. hopefully, hopefully, he feels better uh, tomorrow. And uh, look, I understand it's uh, it's late over there. It's really, really late. So yeah, coming up to ten to six a.m. Yeah. So I mean, I completely understand. <laughs> Good night, <more>. Joanna. <laughs> Love you. Morning, Thank you so much Anna. for being on here with us.
You're yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank, thanks, guys. Let, let me know where I can get the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be on. Yeah, I'll send you a link as soon as it's Thank on, you. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Crystal, Angel, everybody. Thanks so much. Take care, dear. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. That's Joanna Summerscale. I always love having her on. She's she's like so delightful and pleasant. She to, is. To yeah, talk I, to, I right? could just listen to her talk forever because I just love her accent. And now she's and she's talking about like really really interesting things too. So just just keep talking. It's fine. Then there's a lot of feedback when we speak. So I was like, damn it, I don't want to hear myself. Yeah, <laughs> we're not allowed to talk. <laughs> it makes her. But it, you know what? At least she's not like one of those guests where you answer, ask a question, and it's like it's two words. So I mean, at least Correct, you know yeah. she had great stories to tell. So we really didn't yeah. have to say anything. We could just no, she's 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 a lovely guest, and hopefully we can have her back on with uh, Bill and some headphones. And some headphones, yeah. I think yeah. we need to send Come. her some headphones. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that purchase for her, and I'm gonna, that's gonna be my Christmas. Do they celebrate Christmas in the UK? What's the holidays over there? It's not Christmas. They right? celebrate Christmas. I think they do. Is it? Do they? Don't they? I. Well, it's a Christian religion, so I'm pretty yeah, sure they I do. Yeah. We sound really ignorant right now. I mean, they do <laughs> a Doctor Who, so <laughs> we yeah. We're so a, ignorant on the air right now. Well, Doctor Who has a Christmas special every year, so duh. Oh, man. <laughs> do they celebrate Hanukkah over there? What, what do they celebrate in the UK, those folks? I'm sure, I think some people probably <laughs> celebrate. All right, we're going to stop talking. We should stop talking. What are we going to talk yeah, about? Yeah. We have 10 minutes to talk about something. Ah, uh, jeez. Look, <laughs> I have the audio. Guys, they have Boxing Day. Oh, that sounds fun. They yeah. have boxing. They got to move to the UK. They're much cooler than we are. We don't have they are. Today, they yeah. have so like I have a UK friend, and they have such cool just sayings. Just I mean, you guys like twat waffle. Forget it. Like UK stuff is like out of control. I'm sorry. Did you need some spotted dick? Not uh, cool. there's certain there's certain words that just don't really belong in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> certain terminologies that should never be used. I know. Like uh, yeah, spotted dick. Yeah, no, I'm not. No thanks. No. What do you mean? No, what? what? Get out of here. That's just gross. That's just gross. Like, first time I heard somebody say uh, that smoking a fag means having a cigarette, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> if that's what you're choosing to put in your mouth, that's what you're choosing to Yeah, do. yeah, okay. And okay, buddy. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do you, do. you do, you do, bro. You do, you do what you got to do. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. Clearly some of you people have never hung out down on Bourbon Street. <laughs> you, can, you obviously need more gay men in your life. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm uh, other guy? I'm going to pass, but I appreciate the gesture and offer. I'm telling you. James West? What's up? You need any uh, gay men in your life? No, I'll, I'll pass for now. <laughs> You don't have to be sleeping it, with them. It, you you know, can just the be friends is, with them. Yeah, but the funny part is it sounded like Angel was offering the way he asked that question. Right. <laughs> kind of did, actually. My bad. <laughs> That's not the way I meant for it to come out. I'm sorry. <laughs> These things just happen. It's been a long night. Uh, listen, I got the audio of yesterday's show with uh, Euphonaut, and uh, it's clipped up, it's ready to uh, roll here. If you guys want to hear it, I'm sure you do. People have been talking about it for the last uh, 48 hours, or 24 hours, or 57 hours, or whatever. And uh, it's all over it's the that place. that time slip there, man. It's that time slip. Yeah, you saw that? Uh, I've, kind of, I've, I've been looking at Twitter, and I'm getting tweets about it. It's crazy. People have, like... Uh, one reaction at first are, you know, like backing off from that reaction after they heard the episode again and uh, are having uh, you know, the opposite reaction where, like, they're saying, oh, no, actually, yeah, Jesse and Angel were being very professional. And, uh, yeah, they were yeah. very professional. No, that guy was Did you leave in because... the part about you eating a crow? Yes, that probably is the line of the year. Yeah. 
Uh, I gotta yeah. give that guy props though. I gotta. I mean, because I mean, he was very upset because I guess he yeah, he was friends. He was. He was very upset, and then I mean, he listened to it, and then he apologized. So I mean, it yeah. takes. I know we live in a world where people don't normally apologize for things. So that's very awesome of him. So good for him. Yeah, no, that that is very awesome. And look, I'm not trying to like ruffle feathers within a uh, community of folks that are going to try to kill me or anything. Like she is a witch. <laughs> She is a oh, witch, yeah. folks. Ah, uh, you're beat, dude. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like I'm trying to mess with a witch here. Like, I don't want to wake up tomorrow and have my car blow up on me, you know, just because it happened. A witch. Oh, uh, it's going to be twat waffled. It's going to be. How would you even. How would you twat waffle? You know what? Just stop using the word. You're not, you know, yeah, you're not yeah, like you use know. the word anymore. No. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Taking dude. the word away from you. You have lost <laughs> your privileges. <laughs> we'll discuss it again next week. Ah. Uh, Goose for Abba. <laughs> <laughs> guy. We love the other guy. Now, I'm going to go off uh, the air tonight with that audio clip because I want to I want to have folks listen to it and uh, make up your own mind. I, again, it's no beef with her, really, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, and I don't think even Jesse has uh, you know any anger towards her. Uh, and, and if she wants to clear the air and get on the you know on the show again with us and talk about what happened, and by all means, you know, we'll love to have her back on and and give her you know the the five minutes or ten minutes or whatever it takes for her to clear the air. Uh, but again, you know, we were doing a what if kind of scenario after the conversation ended. In fact, the clip, uh, which I'm, I have loaded up here, has uh, it starts off right when we hang up on her. And uh, literally, we say goodbye to her, and then we just we keep talking for a few minutes. And as you can see, we're kind of like, you know, Jesse goes over, like, what he feels that, uh, you know, kind of like made him back off a little bit from the interview itself because he was kind of feeling a little bit off because it's about Rush, and that's a band he loves. And, you know, there's that connection with the band that he has. And, and I feel for the guy because, again, you know, if it was like Pac or somebody like that, I'd not be kind of upset if somebody's making these kind of claims. Yeah, but Pac's uh, but, dead. He, got, he can't defend himself. Well, there's that too. There's that also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rush is very much alive, and they could defend themselves. And who, and who knows? She she claims they went to court, and uh, there's a restraining order against her from uh, some of the band members. So uh, if that's the case, then there's paperwork mm-hmm. associated. Now, associated wait. There's a restraining order against her, as in she can't go near them. They filed. Correct. Okay. Correct. Which it used that's, to it's, be. Yeah, it used to be. I think she said that it expired already. She might have said that, yeah. But I mean, even if that's the case, it's still a little bit weird. That there's a restraining order against her, right? Why didn't she put one against all of them to begin with? Well, I mean, she probably well, she probably didn't have to. But you're right. There, it, there is interest. That is that. I mean, I mean, I don't know <clears throat> if they did to her what she's. And again, I haven't listened to, the, to what she claims they did to her. Just your summary. But if they did do that to her. Um, and she was still hanging around them for whatever reason. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if she answered any of those questions in the interview, or you know, this. I mean, she. She. she I mean, these are questions I think she should answer. Um, right. You know. I mean, because it's, I. You know, it's a serious claim. It is it's a serious about, claim. You know, and especially really, if you want people to believe your story. You know, it's not that we don't, but you're making. I mean, you do make it kind of difficult, and that's a good question. Like, if they've got one out against you, then were you hanging right. around? Were you like? Like, were you, did you go after them for what they did to you? And if so, like, why? What were you, you know, what were you trying to accomplish by doing that? Because that's, I mean, that would be, I'm also asking too, because that would seem to be a dangerous thing for her to do, especially right. if, you know, they got their hands on her and did those things to her. And then she's, you know, going back after them. Like, don't do that. 
<laughs> that might <laughs> no, not no, be no, the no. best of ideas. It's literally like me yelling at one of my friends who like got her bag stolen, and she's all of like four feet tall, and she's running after the guy. Like she's like, you know, I'm like, what are you doing? I was so mad at her. I was so mad at her. <laughs> I could see a woman doing that too. By the way, yeah, I still see that. Yeah, it's true. That's not a good I know. Idea. She's a little fireball. I gotta give her props, but I'm just like, boo boo. Take somebody with you next time. Like, what were you like? What? what? It's not like you don't even like. You're not a ninja. Get a like, baseball bat or something. Yeah, right, exactly. You're something. not a ninja. No, just this little angry person who is shorter than I am, just yelling at somebody. I'm gonna karate after chop them. my butt off. I'm gonna get my stuff back. Are we gonna hear the clip, or we got two minutes left? Yeah, we're gonna uh, play the clip now. I'm gonna, uh, don't play rush us, here. Seth. We're talking. No, we can go Gosh. over, man. This is this my network, dude. We can go over a little bit. <laughs> Relax, I, other guy. I don't know if you had anything lined up or not, so you know. Relax, nice. homie. Relax. I got you, bro. I got you. Here you go, guys. Uh, we're gonna play the clip, and we're gonna come back for a minute and uh, discuss it amongst us. Here's a few minutes only. Uh, when we come back and talk about it a little bit, uh, then after that we'll say goodnight. Or if uh, you guys start calling in and uh, you want to talk about it, by all means, we'll take a couple calls. But if not, we'll just uh, say goodnight afterwards. But uh, check out this is the clip. Uh, Fantastic. Here we go. Well, thanks for being on the program. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, both of you. Thank okay. you, Jesse. Bye-bye. What a fantastic interview. Uh, Are we still here, Angela? Are we all here? Yeah, we're all here. Except for Solaris. Right, right. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult with these sort of uh, situations. What I tried to do, I think, and, you know, the audience will tell me, I tried to be as... uh, respectful as possible of course um there's a certain amount of information i feel like we got to a a, a bit of a wall w- with certain things that i would need uh to to sort of buy into a lot of it but it's not for me to say it's for the audience to decide there might be people out there right now going this happened to me uh i don't know i i, I know that i've I've watched plenty of videos with people talking about strange um, underground MK Ultra type, uh, you name it, mind control experimentation over the years. Uh, the problem that usually exists with this is very, very difficult for folks to prove it. And uh, we've talked about this too. How does Bob Lazar sneak out a piece of spacecraft or some a little uh, gram of Element 115? Well, he can't, obviously, right? But did he work there? Yeah, he did. Well, here's the thing, though, and I'm going to drop this uh, little uh, seed here for you, Jesse. And you can go wherever you want with this. Uh, Didn't Bob Lazar talk about Element 115 before anybody else on the planet was even talking about it? Anybody else. Not only that, it wasn't discovered until after he mentioned it. Right? Am I right on that? You're 100% right. Okay, so that to me speaks volumes. I mean, he doesn't have to come out with a, with a piece of the ship. He's coming out with data verbally that's telling you, okay, this is what this runs on, and it's exotic, nobody knows about it, and then years later when it becomes discoverable by science, then you got to say, wait a second, Bob Lazar talked about this a decade and a half ago. Then his story becomes more valid. It's kind of like the Betty and Barney Hill story where the star map, Remember that the Betty Hill described uh, the alien soldier about his shoulder? Uh, that constellation wasn't discovered until a decade and a half later. So that, to me, adds the credibility factor where, okay, now she doesn't need to actually leave the ship with that book, the alien shoulder. She has this star map that she talked about that NASA later confirmed years later. So it, it adds a, a, credi- you know, a little bit of credibility factor to that story as well. I totally see where you're going with that. I totally get it. 
with this particular situation, you could tell while I was doing the interview, it was touchy it was for me. Well, before you get there, it was a little touchy for me because I really do yeah. have this this strange connection, and I was an Uber fan. So, could you imagine, you know, when we kid around and I sort of uh, pinch at uh, or poke at Tupac or Michael Jackson with you, and you get real worked up when we kid around and that sort of thing. But Woo-hoo! the bottom line is, you get you get worked up. So, this was some of my childhood uh, fantasy rock band legends, and I, I somewhat worshipped them. So, it's very, very difficult to hear these things. It was a very difficult interview to do. Obviously, there's a lot of emotion involved. And my, the last my thing, thing is, want, with, yeah, go yeah, ahead. My, my thing is, why Rush of all the bands out there? I mean, why not like Metallica or some bigger name band? Why Rush? Well, the uh, that's easy. That's easy. I think she was trying to get forth the point that why Rush because uh, Neil Peart is actually a very, very intelligent guy, and he's known for uh, very in-depth kind of introspective uh, writing. I'm just not a guy who analyzes lyrics very much. Yeah, so I really so, don't know so, what they're talking. So was uh, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. I mean, doesn't mean he's a secret operative trying to like lure people into an operative program. Well, honestly, and and I mean this in the nicest way possible. But my issues uh, were more about when you're trying to uncover something. Okay, uh, as a detective, and we're talking about true crime for a second, you have to turn over a lot of stones, and you have to turn over stones that you might think are not probable. Right, and I just think that there were some. Uh, it sounded to me when I tried to ask about some of the more uh, conventional it, uh, reasons for why these things might be happening, that there was a lot of uh, defensiveness there, and I didn't want to uh, hurt anyone's feelings tonight. But at the at the end of the day, I felt like I wanted to know a little bit more about some of the conventional, i.e., therapies or uh, medical. Uh, personnel that might have been involved to try to figure out what was going on, especially when you're hearing voices. Yep. Uh, and I don't mean this as a cut at all. This is just, I think, what most of the audience is, is hearing and, and mm-hmm. possibly thinking. Uh, uh, am I right? I mean... No, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, we've done thousands of these interviews. Thousands of them. I've never heard a story like this in all of my days. Uh, I've covered every subset of this Topic. You know, you actually, I, I have heard a story similar to this. Laura Eisenhower, Eisenhower, whatever it is. I think that's a really good uh, analogy, at least, uh, that's in the ballpark, for sure. It's, it's very similar. She was contacted on Facebook by some random dude who uh, brought her into the, the Pegasus program that Bizzaccio was working on. But here's on. another problem. No, Same kind you, of story. You, you raised, yes, and, and another problem is, and... and this is hard for me too. Is that uh, when you're making accusations about people, uh, anybody, mm-hmm. you gotta ha- be able to back it up, or else it ends oh, up yeah. being slander yep. and libel and things of that nature. And yep. I just feel like I didn't want to go there and, and and get upset or get anyone upset about that because obviously there's things that I don't know between the lines. But at the at the end of the day, you got to provide those things. So. Yep. Uh, that was difficult. I felt we we kind of we kind of hit a brick wall with that, and that's why I wanted to sort of take a breath because it was becoming a little difficult for me, uh, being able to stay as upbeat and impartial. Uh, and that's a that's a problem that you have this as a an interviewer 
any day of the week with any guest. It's always going to mm-hmm. be difficult. Sometimes yep. they're easier than others. This one was not that easy. No. Nope. Um, I don't know where to go with this one, folks. I'm I'm kind of a little stumped. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I'm going to contact my my friend. I'm going to leave him out of this, obviously. Um, and I'm going to find out if this gentleman will come on the program and talk to us. Um, I think that's the only rational thing to do at this point if if we want to follow up, don't you think? I think that's a great idea now, which he did say, well, he'll just lie about everything. So, No, I, I, I mean, maybe so, but then at least give him the option to do that. Right, right. Give him a platform. In this way, if he de- if he declines, I can say he declined, or if he gives a statement, um, that would be helpful at this point because I just don't know where to go with this one, you know. And, I mean, and I, I, you know, there's people that I want where I'm like, hey, check in with us on how we're doing. But this is a specific group of people that our guest was saying ruined her life. Right. So I can't that's, be okay big. with that that's unless big. I know that it's. A hundred percent legitimate, and it's been Correct. proven, or else it, it sounds like I'm endorsing that, and I can't do that. Well, here's a couple a couple seeds for you, Jesse, to uh, to take with you, uh, especially if you are going to contact this guy. Um, she talked about being in court. I'm with definitely him, right? going so, to. Yeah, there's court. Doc- there has to be court documents uh, backing everything up. So if they're going to be on the show, if she's going to be on the show with you, request some court documents proving that she went to court with these guys, uh, that she actually took them to court and she tried to get this uh, to uh, some civil trial. Uh, because if she did, that would be on record. And at least I get you a little step further in case they say, well, we have no idea who she is. Well, that gets you a little step further and saying, wait a second, but you guys were in court. Here is documentation. Yeah, no, I would definitely want to look at that. You know, you know, I'm probably going to ask Danny to look into it. Uh, I think Danny's kind of been very uh, uh, on the uh, Johnny on the spot with a lot of this stuff, and yep. he and did set up this interview. He's great, and you know, he's been bringing a lot of terrific people to the show. And don't get me wrong, this is what I want to bring on this program: stuff that is going to blow your mind, and that you're not going to get anywhere else in the world. So. He did his task. He did what I sent him out there to do and asked for because he has the connections and he knows that I want to delve into those places. And they are difficult. They're difficult to stomach. And I think with this guest, it was very difficult also because she's very sweet. So you want to be supportive. But it was a very tricky interview. So I think where I want to leave it is I'm going to go that and she speaks very, and she, be, and she speaks very fast. Extremely fast. I've, it's a, the fastest speaking person I've ever, ever encountered, and I really thought that there was a problem with the audio that it had been sped up. No, no, that's uh, just her way of speaking. She, see, what you don't understand is I actually produced for her for a little bit here on PSN Radio. She had her show on here, and uh, for a couple months. And uh, the first time I, I produced the show for her, I thought the same thing. I was like, "Wait a second, is the audio messed up? Is she is it going faster than normal?" And then and after a while, you realize, no, that's just the way she speaks. Yeah, she speaks no, very fast. she's just look. Here's the thing: she's obviously highly intelligent. Oh she, yeah, definitely. She, she, she's uh, no, no cuts here. I just want to know what the hell is going on. If anything, it's a very intriguing story. Yep. Now, everybody knows that Neil Peart is a little strange because Neil Peart is, is, has always been strange. That's part of his persona. Okay? 
he's sort of the guy who writes all the lyrics and he sort of like Pete Townsend need to be on his own when he would write the Who records. He'd go get right. a ton of heroin and drugs and stuff and he'd lock himself in an apartment and he'd write these amazing songs and he'd bring them back to Daltrey and he'd be like, holy cow, awesome. You know, that's even Roger Daltrey would tell you that to this day. That's how it worked. Well, same thing here. That, that Pert always was that kind of persona so that's where it gets a little strange too you know what i'm saying so from a layman's perspective it becomes it becomes too much to be able to support without concrete evidence and and alike so we're going to see if we can put this together it would be a great uh maybe uncomfortable but maybe not either way it would be very good to get these people on the phone and try to figure out where did all this start you know why 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 solaris what is the connection here with all these people there's obviously a connection right i mean I, unless unless uh the band's uh gonna say hey this is just an uber fan and uh we get this a lot guys sorry you know uh which plenty of bands might say Right, I mean, you and worked in the music that, business, and that usually is the case in the in these type of things, uh, Jesse. That's the that's the crazy part, and that's why I have a hard time with this, uh, not because of, of her or any personal um, you know feelings I have towards her or anything like that, but because of, of the simple fact that I know the music industry, I know the fan base, the way they act sometimes towards uh, bands, towards uh, you know people in the music industry in general, especially if they feel burnt by the uh, by the band. Like, say, for example, she was a groupie. Let's just go there and they turned her down because they weren't into groupies at that moment right right if she gets really pissed you know this is something that groupies would do they'll come up with some well i think this was stories. underlying yeah i think we needed to kind of download on this one bro because honestly yeah. obviously many people were sitting there thinking was this just an uber fan who got burned because mm -hmm. she got a few postcards from pert and thought hey we're buddies and then all of a sudden right, stopped right, writing right. to her and then it just turned into this sort of seething thing that festered um that's what it sure sounds like during the interview mm -hmm. to a certain degree and of course, there's a stalemate there because either you can provide the evidence uh, that would support this story. I, I, I really, I don't know any other way around it. You know, you could say, well, these people are lying, and that person's lying, and this person, uh, this court's bought up and uh, bribed, and et cetera, et cetera. But you need to prove those things. Right. You can't just say it. Not only that, you can't even really prove uh, how to use technology to prove that she's been infected with anything or implanted with anything if i'm pretty sure if roger lear found any you know implants in her brain he would have you know talked about that endlessly yeah, but i still don't understand if he did angel how that gets yeah. tied back to the band rush i do, that, that that part that, does, that makes no sense that's an hour and a half yeah, no, I, I don't. I asked it. I was like, "How do you tie that into the band? How does that make any sense?" Well, Even if she was abducted by the government or some kind of government for mind control manipulations, how do you take it right back to the Rush Band? Well, exactly, exactly. How do? How can I defend that? How can I support that? There's people in our subject that I am gung ho about in their research. Mm. Uh, this is tough for me. You know, I I would have trouble getting on board. Yeah, I'm a fan, but that but honestly, uh, I've I mean, I was a fan of a, a fraternity brother in college, and I found out that he, 
he he did uh, a sexual assault on a girl at a bar. He he stuck his hand up her skirt, okay, because he was so drunk. And the poor girl's boyfriend who defended her got beat up by all the fraternity brothers. And guess what? They knocked on my door one night and said, hey, we want you to lie and say that this guy started a fight and la, la, la. And I said, absolutely not. I will never do that. Right. And that's the problem. I can't. This is a tricky one. You're, you're, you're saying that certain people ruined your life. So I feel, I feel very strange moving forward on it. And I really have sort of an itch that I need to scratch at this point. And I thank Solaris for that because I will Excuse go with Hello? Yeah, hi. I'm calling you back right now because I'm watching you. Oh, I'm hearing you bitching and bashing and talking shit about me after I did an interview and I gave you my time of two hours. So I'm extremely pissed off right now. And let me let me just fill you in on a few things. I guess you didn't okay. grasp anything that I was saying. I told you I have evidence of the signals, transmissions, and technology built into me. And so far as the evidence goes... Roger Lear didn't measure me, Angel. It was it was Steve Colburn. And I have a documentary based on this. Once again, I have the evidence in my okay. documentary. I the have evidence. How okay, but, but how, okay, but how, okay, you say you have the evidence, Angel, but let's see the evidence. Back it up, Angel. I'm just telling you right now, how dare you? I got I gave you two hours of my time and the shit that I've been through with that goddamn band. Hold on. Hold on, Solaris. Solaris, Solaris, hold on. Calm down. Goddamn group. Are you fucking kidding me? Hold on. Okay, see, you're not acting like somebody rational or not, Solaris. Calm down. Goddamn pissed at you people. I gave you two hours of my time, and you talk shit about me. How dare you? How dare? How, how are we talking shit about you? We're we're discussing the interview. Where do, I begin? Where do I begin, Angel? First of all, I'm not a group oh, for the goddamn band. Secondly, I was happily married. I I told you point blank. I sent a book to this. Well, uh, hold on. Groupies can be happily married, also. I am no groupie, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not my style. I'm a lady. I have class. I have integrity. I have a brain. I'm not some of these. Freaking douche bitches, excuse my French, who sit on the Paris, street doing drugs. Can I interject something? Can I interject something without anger? Can I interject something? Is that okay? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I'm trying to calm this down, and I'm trying to explain something that will make some sense. I gave you two hours of my time. I'm telling you the truth. You people have no idea. He told me gave two hours your time. I gave you half of my time. And I still don't understand how this pertains. Oh. Right and I'm saying that there's very intelligent people here who do this for a living for how many years, and they don't, don't understand. That's they don't all. Understand. Just leaves and do the work, but don't you dare sit there and call me a groupie or a fan or anything else. These people put me through a brutal, a brutal, excuse my French, sick little psychotronic warfare program. And if you're going to make those claims, but how can you prove that it was Rush? Yes, you have fact. to prove it. I have technology, no, and I have that doesn't prove anything about Rush. Though, yeah, what technology? How does it prove it? How does it prove it? Solaris, Solaris, Solaris. Listen, we're very nice on the show, but right now I want to ask you straight up: How does anything that you said prove that Rush was involved? How does it prove that they were involved? And they announce themselves. And How does that? All right, but you saying that you doesn't prove anything. Solaris, you saying that does not prove anything. How do, where is the pudding? Where's the proof? Innocent testimony to that fucking crime scene. Do where is the proof? Where's the proof? For you, buddy. One of these days you're going to be eating your own crow, and I hope I, I hope I'm around to watch you do it because both. Of oh, I love crow. Taste like shit. That's Don't the world we work in, Clarence. You can't come on the show and say, here's my story, you have to believe it, or fuck you. You can't yeah, do that. Yeah, work that way. Or else that makes you sound like a crazy program. person. Why just... Yes. Go ahead, Angel. No, that she sounds like a crazy person, straight up. And this is not what I wanted. This is, uh, you know, I, I could have done this in the beginning of the show. It's very easy for me to do. It comes quite naturally. 
Okay? Uh, you know, she's very upset. She thinks that we... And then she hung up. Uh, yes, of course, know. amateur radio uh, is hilarious when the guest can just <laughs> interject herself, which you gotta love. Um, that's that. That wasn't uh, that wasn't bizarre. First that wasn't scheduled either. By the way, she she just jumped right back into the conversation with Skype. She hung up twice, and she just well, this is a, Skype has that function though, because that's the thing. I don't. I'm not trying to hurt somebody's feelings. That has nothing to do with that. But look, we're dealing with a very intense, important subject here. I, I just. I kind of mapped it out for you here. There's saying that you got boarded an alien vessel and such and such happened to you. Well, this is the same kind of thing, but it's a little worse because you're dealing with people that have families and lives. And uh, and Solaris has a family and life, of course. But when you're making amazing claims like this, you got to have amazing evidence. And the that we did not treat her with respect, I think, is is ridiculous. Because, like I said, it's just two people who do this for years now trying to scratch their head and say how the hell does any of this have to do with the band rush well, all right everybody we're back live um well, and there you go that's the whole piece the whole clip yeah i'm speechless on that one all i can say wow <laughs> i said that I, I, i'm kind of like with the other guy when i was just i think she overreacted a little bit. I, I will right. definitely say that. I do. Um, I think that you, you and I think that you and Jesse were were trying to be polite to her. I, I kind of understand why Groupie would set her off. And let me just kind of just drop. Not that I'm excusing her behavior at all, because I, I do think that she kind of like went a little crazy. But it it's almost like by calling her a Groupie, you're literally just dismissing her. It's almost like victim blaming. It's basically what it is. You're literally just saying that she just, you know, was like. But in the here's back, the you thing: know. I wasn't right. calling her a groupie. I was doing I a what if this was a scenario. You just, you just put no that out there. I understand that right. you did not say that she. You just said, well, I mean, you did say like, what if she was a groupie and right. she was just an angry fan and that. So I mean, right, and right. you weren't. You, you you did preface it by saying what if, and I don't think it's an unfair question. I just do understand why it might have set her off. But again, right. I do think she was a little... I don't think that anything you and Jesse were saying was bad. Um, you know, I, think, I, think I don't think it's anything where, where, where her we're, wanting to call in and maybe clear the air. Right, right. She could have just said, you know, okay, it sounded like you guys are confused. Let me, you know, do this, that, and the other. Let me address this point. Let me address that point. Um, I thought she could have handled that a lot better. You know, the problem is when you listen to the actual when you listen to the actual episode, uh, Crystal, and you'll find this out when you actually hear hear the entirety of the thing. Uh, it was hard getting questions into her. She, it was, it, it was very she tough just kept on talking and talking and not stop. Completely, and you know when we would get a question in, it would never actually get answered properly or satisfying. Uh, you know the you know the, what we want to you know see answered and uh, it was never satisfying the answer it was always kind of like a run around i mean james you heard the conversation you, you, you were listening in yesterday give us your perspective real quick so yeah i went down to the store the other day and i can't remember i think fast. we lost james fast <laughs> fast <laughs> james is just like it was fast everything was fast was okay she, she just um it's, it's I, thought like we lost, I, thought was, I thought we mentally lost you there for a second. I think you're like going batshit for a minute there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to explain how I was perceiving it. No, yeah, she yeah. um she definitely uh had it had the uh, script down and she just ran it off like a machine gun out of her mouth. 
and didn't That's give a anyone a chance. It's <laughs> a good description. I, you know, and I've heard other interviews with her, and look, that's just the way she speaks. Um, she's she's a fast talker. And the funny thing is, Cubans uh, are naturally uh, labeled fast speakers, uh, especially for all the Latins in the uh, Latin world. Uh, you know, we're the the fastest speaking bunch are the Cubans. So I sympathize with her problem with her plight. My people have the same issue in Spanish. Uh, apparently, this doesn't follow us in <laughs> I was English just as about well. To say you've never heard an angry Spanish woman before. Oh my goodness! Yeah, if you hear if you hear Spanish, if you hear a Spanish woman and she's angry, especially a Cuban angry Spanish woman, you will not understand one word. It, it's just, I mean, just gibberish and screaming and a little bit of spit in you, you know, hitting you every once in a while. It will not be pleasant at all. Maybe you're into that kind of thing. I don't know, but it would not be pleasant for me anyway. But. You know, we get labeled as fast-speaking people, so I completely sympathize with her and her plight. But you know, she's, she is an awfully fast speaker. So but I, I will I, but say I'm this. used to that. I, that I that doesn't this. bother me about her. She's a nice lady. Like that's, that's the crazy part about the whole thing. Right. I will say this: like, regardless of how crazy she seems and she came off as, I still believe her story to some extent. I still. Right. Do. I think something. I think something was definitely done to her. I don't buy the whole rush connection. To be honest, I well, gotta, the I rush connection. She said herself again that uh, with this MK Ultra device or, or uh, uh, artificial telepathy, they can make you see and perceive whatever they want you to. So right. in that, in that sense, they could perceive rush to her. So a uh, cover to them, whoever them is. So when she actually comes out like she is, she sounds like a crazy gr- groupie. It's, right. It's like a, right. Right. It's yeah. It's a way. It's it, you know. It, it yeah. Right. It's a way to disprove her because you're attacking the source. Um. I, I mean, and this this is a hard enough story to believe. So I mean, I don't think it's wrong to ask the question. And I don't. I think Jesse was right. You can't just tell a story and then just expect us to believe it. Right. Um, because I think that's what you guys wanted to do. I didn't hear anything in that. I mean, I heard that it was hard, and he was trying really hard to kind of, you know, you know, to to, to listen to what she was saying and, and accept it. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with asking the question. Um, and and I and I and I know that you guys pro- and I know that you guys would ask the question in like a respectful manner, like you know, can you like can we prove this? Is there something that? I mean, but it's a hard story to prove. No, you know, I knew Jesse was ha- I knew Jesse was having a hard time with it. Uh, about maybe 20 minutes into the conversation, 20, 30 minutes in, because he's, for a, a little bit there, he stopped asking questions. Like he, he stopped trying, and you could tell he was just muted out for a while. Like he was just trying to take it all in. Uh, and that's when it became clear that this affected him a little bit more than I thought it would, because I didn't right. know that he was disconnected to Rush. Like I had no idea. In fact, I had no idea really that this was going to be the topic of conversation until it started. they started talking about this. Right. So. You know, I thought they were going to talk about other things dealing with UFOs and aliens. Because, again, it's UFOnaut Radio. We talk about right. UFO stuff just like here on Skywatchers Radio. That's what we deal in. So, you know, when this became the main topic and it became about Rush, I was like, okay, I'll go with it. I mean, whatever is different. But then I had no idea that Jesse had this connection. In fact, when he talked about it on the show, it surprised me, too. I had no, I had no clue that he right. actually met the band and went and then spent some time with him through a friend of his. And that all that stuff was new to me also. So, you know, that... You know, kind of connection to her story. I can understand what he's having a hard time with. Uh, you know, having you know, having to listen having to, to this, yeah. having to deal with that. It's, it, it can't be easy for an Uber fan of somebody. You know, especially if they met them and know them in a, in a certain personal kind of way. Uh, so I can understand his point of view and why he cut the interview off a little bit early. But again, even if you listen to that clip, 
we're not really bashing her at any point. Right. No, you're really not. You're, you're really, really not. Um, I didn't hear any of that at all. So, I mean, like, I mean, she, I think, you know, she wanted to call back in and kind of clear the air. I thought she could do that, but it wasn't, I don't right. think that it, I didn't hear in any way that you guys were bashing her. I just, I, mean, I didn't she went hear that. Full, she went full speed she crazy. Was, she was, up, yeah. she was really upset. She was really, yeah, really yeah, upset, yeah. whatever. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what she went through. It was obviously very traumatic for her. So I, you know, I'm very sorry that that happened to you. She um, said, let's just leave it there. Yeah. 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 And she's got the evidence, um, you know, and put it out there. You know, don't don't hold back. Don't don't be afraid to kind of clarify and and answer the tough questions. And I know I mean, if you go through something that that's like traumatic, then those are tough questions. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, That's just there's those are going to be hard questions to answer. But, you know, you're not I mean, this isn't the case of, you know, where Jesse gave the example of, you know, some guy putting a hand up for some girl's skirt, which is horrible enough. Uh, right. But I mean, you're talking about mind control and MK Ultra, and you know these things that are not. I mean, unfortunately, you've got an uphill battle there with having to prove your story. I mean, you're, but you're in the right place to tell it. Like this is I synthetic mean, telepathy. I mean, really, I mean, yeah, it's I, tough. It, it's I, you know, it's not I, I okay, but you know, <laughs> yeah. give me something, anything, right. <laughs> you know, because we can't, we just. Can't, can't we i mean that unfortunately like i get it traumatic experience horrible but you just can't accept that at face value unfortunately because of the way the ufo and this type of community is like we have to approach these with just a, at least a little bit of discernment like a little bit a little bit yeah no, and you know what I'll, I'll go a step further i'll even say you know what i'll buy into it i'll accept it as this is something you believe happened to you and i believe something did happen to you and i'll support you know, it's just, you know, I do think that she's a nice person. I'm not gonna like bash her over her, you know, her experience because I wasn't there. I, I didn't participate, so I can't disprove it 100 percent either. You know what I mean? There's no right. way really for me to prove or disprove this thing. So even if I, I, I sort of like back her up or not back her up, but at least you know I, I accept her side of the story for right. you know for to some degree. Even if that's the case. Uh, you know, we still have to ask the questions that, you know, that need yes. to be asked because we can't just bypass certain things. And I think, that, I think the issue is she didn't want anybody to ask any of those questions. She just wanted us to believe at face value and that's it. And that's a, that's an issue that, we, that I run into a lot within not only ufology but the paranormal community and a lot of these communities, especially like the, new age, the, the new age folks out there. I mean, you can't ask them any questions that they you know upset them because they go batshit. And that's kind of like what, what I saw yesterday and it, and it boggled my mind because she wasn't like that when she was on PSN before. You know, she was very nice, very polite, right. and I, I, like, I don't know if maybe that is uh, what sparked the uh, the whole, uh, well, you know, the groupy you know thing. But again, that was a what if moment, and not only that, on Project Camelot, if you guys haven't seen it, she participated on one of the videos, and that is asked. They ask her that about the whole groupy thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's mentioned on there. So this is not the first time she's heard that as a possibility right. of you know what if this is who you are, and she's denied it before. So I'm giving you a what if. To something that's already been asked before, so I mean, she didn't go, you know, crazy and start yelling at them, practically, right. you know, Kevin Watts. So it, it is what it is. I don't is. know what she thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it, it is. It is what it is. I hope you uh, know. But, what? I actually hope that she gets in touch with uh, Deborah Jane. 
because um, Deborah Jane does a lot of, I think she, you know, get that she does a lot of support work for, you know, people who have been abducted and how Correct. difficult that is. So I, I yep. would encourage, I don't, she's probably not listening to us. Uh, but on the not. off chance <laughs> that she is, I would encourage her to get in touch with Deborah Jane because, I mean, something traumatic did happen to her. So I hope that, you know, whatever that is, she's, you know, getting the help that she needs for because that's tough. I mean, God, you know, who, who the hell do you talk to about that? It's going to believe you, you know? There's no counselor who's just going to say, you know, we believe you and not try to, like, put you in a straitjacket and give you a whole lot of meds, you know? Which could be fun. Which could be fun, you know, but hey. You never know. You never like know. It's crow. like blowing hookers. Super fun. Like blowing hookers and eating crow. Could be and fun. eating crow. That's also fun. Hookers, yep. One day I'm gonna. One day I'm gonna eat the crow. Hi there, my name's Tina. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, blowing hookers. It's a (laughs) trick with the dick. Oh, wow. I know. I'm not. I know. It's the other guy. (laughs) All right. This is uh, the end of the show right here, guys. Uh, (laughs) That right there. That ends the show right there. We went over about thirty minutes just to uh, discuss this topic a little bit. Uh, and hopefully uh, we put it to rest now. And again, look, uh, listen. Uh, there's really no beef uh, and, and no drama, you know, with uh, with uh, Blue Raven. I mean, Solaris. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry you got upset. You know, things happen. I know Danny took it really hard. You know, me and Danny had a, a talking earlier, and uh, he's taking the whole thing kind of hard because he set up the interview, and uh, he's, he does a great job as a producer. He so does. you know, he, he does a good job. And, and you know, yeah, and it's, really not and it's like cool. that. I mean, there's not that, there's not this kind of drama on the station. No, no. Just no. not. I mean, you know, so I don't, I mean, it sucks. Because I, I, I could feel it with Jesse. He's like, he, that's not, that's not how you want an interview to go. You don't want a guest to ever right. get alienated like that. Because, I mean, we literally want to be that safe space for alien abductees or people who have experienced these horrible things. But you have to be able to answer questions. And it's not Correct. us being mean or not believing you. But, you know, right. it's, it's really to validate you that they get asked. It's not. Exactly. It, it, that's yes. why they're asked. It's to validate your story, not to disprove it. We've exactly. got to ask the questions. We just have to. And not only an alien abduction, but look, MKUltra, mind, mind right. control manipulation. especially that stuff. It's you know, not like we don't know it exists, but. No, of course. But especially when you're dealing with folks that are alive and, and are you know, able to either collaborate or completely throw you in prison for slander, like Rush. You know these folks are still living, so you gotta. There's a fine line you gotta walk when you talk about this kind of subject, where it doesn't become completely slanderous. So now you're liable because it was on our show. You know what I mean? So there's certain lines you gotta make sure that you don't completely discombobulate, because then we're all in trouble with Rush, and then they're gonna mind fuck all of us. And I don't want that. No, right. no, sir. Hey, hey. I don't think that. nobody try to mind fuck me, bitch. It's on. What? It's on no. like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Guys, we'll be back next week right here on Skywatchers Radio, and hopefully it'll be drama-free radio <laughs> on PSN. It's Never is. <laughs> Never uh, is. It's been a lot of fun uh, for our guest, uh, Joanne Summerscale. Oh, we love Joanne. Lovely. Joanne and I hope Bill feels better. Yes. Feel better, Bill. For the other guy who actually made it through an entire episode. What? Yeah, he didn't leave early. What? Wow. What is going on? I feel like we should give the other guy a gold star. Yay, star for me. (laughs) Yeah, but see, he's Jewish. You give him a gold star. That's just not cool, man. That's kind of like... Oh, shit. My bad. Oh, my God. I'm horrible. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Oh, my God. If anybody ever...
It just takes random sound bites of the things I say out of context. I'm in so much trouble, guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh my With that, guys, I'm going to say uh, good night. Take care. Keep looking up to the skies. And keep questioning authority. I love you all. Peace.